All right, uh, I'm ready when you are. At least the director is easy looking at this, but everything else. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Man, the difference between you and me is I don't give a shit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we're trying to determine the action star that has the highest body count in movie history. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing our fifth Sylvester Stallone movie, Bullet to the Head, released by Warner Brothers on February 1st, 2013, starring Sylvester Stallone, Sung Kang, Sarah Shahi, Adewale Akinoye Agbaje, Christian Slater, and Jason Momoa, written by Alessandro Camon, based on Duplam Dan de Tete. By Alexis Nolent, a.k.a. Mats, directed by Walter Hill. How did I do? Uh, much better than I would have. I'd like to say that I was smart enough, since I'm the one who always, before we record, gets all worked up if I have to do the credits and I don't know how to pronounce a name phonetically. I'd like to say I looked at the, the cast oh, and said, you? oh, I know the Keen has to do it next. I'm going with this movie. We made a mistake in the way it ended up. The person who picks the movie does not have to do the credits. So yeah. it's like we could really be vindictive here and <laughs> yes. use that as our, our choosing criteria. But I had already admitted uh, on the last episode that I picked it because I was afraid it might go off of Netflix. So I'd like to say that I'm that devious, but it was no, just my paranoia that I wanted to get this one in before it dropped off Netflix. It's still on Netflix. As, as it happens, I canceled my Netflix like a month ago. So yes. Like, uh, it is still on Netflix. Okay. Well, I paid money for this, so... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave right in. Sorry. Okay. I wanted to like this movie more than I think I ended up... Uh, I, I think there's a lot There's a lot in this movie that I I like the approach. Like Really? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a Walter Hill movie, and, you know, it's trying to be 48 hours, I yeah. think. There's no question about it. Uh, but I like the kind of the style of it, the kind of New Orleans blues kind of... I was, I was okay with that. It, it has a lot of style to it that I like, It just but, doesn't fit those lead characters, but whatever. I I mean, to me, it just seems like Louisiana had the best tax credit, so it became that's the setting. Um, I, I don't know, just Sylvester Stallone and... I, it just it didn't feel that, but I, I didn't... That's That was the least of this movie's problems from my perspective. Stallone? No, the, the setting and oh, kind of oh. the feel. That was the least of its problems. Oh, so you think Stallone is a problem? I don't think this is his best work. I think he's okay in this. He, he's okay. He, he's also not the biggest problem, but he's, he's not much no, of an asset he, in this either. Yeah, of those two, he's he's really the shining star of the pairing between yeah. Sylvester Stallone and Sun Kang. So it's interesting that you know that it's trying to be 48 hours. I, I got that vibe, but you know what? I, I wanted to lead off the show with this, too. I think the setup... This could have been an interesting movie and a funny movie. It's, I mean, it's a lot of Beverly Hills Cop and cast a different way and written a different way. This actually could have been a pretty fun movie. Yeah. I don't know who necessarily I would have cast in the you know, DC cop role, but this could have been a lot more fun. This, this could have been like an action comedy, and I think it could have been good. Well, yeah, the thing, I don't think it's trying to be as comedic. Because like, I don't think of 48 Hours really as a comedy. No, I, Eddie Murphy is in it, but... Yeah, no, I, I would lump that the same thing, that it's an action comedy. Yeah, there's some comedy in it, but right. I think primarily it's an action movie. And, you know, because, I mean, 48 Hours gets real nasty yeah. in a lot of ways. And, you know, th- this movie <laughs> goes there in a couple of spots in ways that it's just like, they didn't even... There's no purpose to it. It's like... No, it- it's, it's, you know, it's t- I'm sure we'll get into it, but, like, the kind of casual racism of, of this movie 
I mean, it's, it's it's way worse in 48 hours, but in 48 hours, you feel like it's there. It was a different time. Not that it excuses well, it, but it was also a different time. It was a different time, but also I I think that a movie like 48 Hours, you know, I, I don't think there's anything inherent. It doesn't make a movie racist to show racist characters. And I think that's a movie that's showing, you know, I think in both cases, Walter Hill, I think, looks at it as, I'm just being honest, and that's what these kind of people, that's how they are, and this is how they would talk. Like in a Quentin Tarantino sort of, sort of a way of just like, I'm just showing it as it is without any kind of commentary on it. But in this movie, it's like Stallone has all the power in the relationship. It's it's a totally one sided like I, this movie wants to be forty hours, and, but but in forty eight hours, it's a back and forth. Right, there's it's no ping back, pong. Right? Yeah, there's or no back and forth. Tennis, there's right back and forth, and there just isn't. There's that scene halfway through because, uh, and we'll get into like plot summary and stuff and explain like specifics. But it's like there's a scene halfway through where there there's like nine scenes where they're in a car, supposedly trading barbs, but it only goes one way because at one point Stallone's like. Were they even arguing about who's going to drive or whatever? I forget how it comes up. He's like, Asians, you can't drive. None of you yep. can drive. And then Sung Kang just is kind of like quiet about it and doesn't even like respond. Doesn't even really, doesn't shoot back, doesn't defend himself, right. doesn't call him a racist. Just kind of goes like, oh. And then the movie, the scene moves on. It's What's like, it go on? I mean, it, that's he's thing. just a punching bag. If it's you're like, going to commit to that, then why doesn't he have the freedom to come back with some racist Italian thing, right? Right. If, I'm if, not that I'm saying that that's you solve racism with racism, but at least give him something to to punch back with. But in concept, I mean, I think 48 Hours is a problematic movie. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but it's like in theory, what these movies, a movie like this, a movie like that, what they are is it's too somewhat racist you know like I, I don't know how racist it's been a while since i watched 48 hours but it's like i don't remember eddie murphy's character that much but it's like obviously these two people hate each other right and by the end ideally they should come to some level of respect for each other yeah. and real and grow as individuals and you know there should be a before and an after <laughs> but there's not at all here. No. i mean there's <laughs> supposed there's supposed to be <laughs> but, but there's not the movie thinks there is <laughs> if it does then it's kidding itself yeah i, I think there's honestly i mean you're saying Beverly Hills Cop, and I I would go the totally opposite direction. I would make it a lot more serious and less of a buddy. I would just remove Sung Kang's character altogether. It's because it's it causes. I mean, it's a tough thing to say because I think the movie would would be better if that character didn't exist. But here I am saying this movie is racist. The way to solve it is to remove the Asian right. character. It's like I, that's obviously a pretty. I, I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the movie introduces all of these issues. Where it should just be a simple movie. Forget the cop stuff. It should be a sh- simple movie about a hitman getting revenge. Be, uh, he gets I, double-crossed, and he's got to find out who did it. And he just, Why is he teaming up with a cop? It doesn't need to be. It, I think it would be more interesting if it was just a real gritty kind of revenge story. It, okay, so you're right. If you remove the cop, it's, it's probably the same movie, and it's fine. I guess the reason why I said that I think this could have been more fun as an action comedy is it's just... As I was watching it, I just got reminded of, instead of Stallone, you know, you had Judge Reinhold and, I can't remember, but basically the two cops that sure. are down there that are showing him, you know, him around. Yeah. And you have a guy that comes from a completely different, you know, view in law enforcement. I would have liked the twist that, okay, or been interested, I don't know if it would have been good, that, no, he's on the other side of the law, but for it to then work... There has to, they have to be like on equal footing in terms of yeah. the barbs. And it's just, so for that to work, I don't even know if it would, but to me, that's the only way to save this. And here's the other thing I'll say is that if this is like what action movies are in the 2010 and beyond, I, maybe there's a reason why I'm living in the past and want to talk about old Arnold movies and old Stallone movies. It's just, there's nothing fun about this. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it wants to be fun though. I don't think it wants to be an action movie. I think it wants to be a, a crime drama with right. some action beats in there. 
Um, you may be right, and if that's the case, it it missed the mark. Well, but, but don't I, I don't think you should paint that with that broad a brush because it's like the John Wick movies are equal. They're about basically the same thing. It's about an assassin getting revenge. That's in that theory, is true. But they're taking totally different approaches with it. That's that's why I wanted to like this movie more because I, I enjoy the John Wicks of the world, but that's a total fantasy. And right. this is a movie that's trying to be trying to be grounded in reality. Yeah, it's like harkening back almost to like seventies cop movies, like Serpico or French Connection or something. It's it's trying to kind of bring that back, which is I love those kinds of movies, and I wish this was better because I do want I don't you know. It, I, I wasn't looking at this as much as an action comedy. I was looking at it more as a crime movie. Okay. You know, with crooked cops and, you know, you know yeah, this assassin with a heart of gold. basically all are, unless they're from Washington, <laughs> yeah, D.C. I know. Honestly, I wish Sung Kang's character was, was a crooked cop also, because I feel like that would have been a more interesting dynamic of, like, crook with a heart of gold, crooked cop. They're basically, like, meeting in the middle and teaming up. Cause, you know, to just take out more crooked people. To, to get revenge, and then, you know, somehow... You know, I don't know how he... They could have gone in a million different directions. All I know is that this didn't work. Nope. I, I just don't know if necessarily it's the screenplay. I mean, some of it's the screenplay. Yes. Um, but I don't think all of it is because, you know, I like Sung Kang in the Fast and Furious movies. I remember when this came out, I, was, I remember thinking, like, who's that guy? Like, Sylvester Stallone and Sung Kang. I was like, who? I, I'd never heard of him. And I found out, oh, he's a guy in Fast and Furious. Like, okay, fine. And now I've seen all the Fast and Furious movies, and you've seen five and yeah. on, right? Yes. And, and the first one. Mm-hmm. You've never seen Tokyo Drift. I have not seen Tokyo That's Drift. That's when they introduce his character, Han. And he's good in those movies, but like he's so low-key. Yes. He's low-key in those movies, and you kind of go like, oh, he's just making a choice. He's this kind of, you know, he's making, he's making the decision to be very blasé about everything. He's just snacking on stuff while crazy things happen around yeah, him. Yeah, because almost everybody else in those movies aren't that way, so it's a nice contrast. Yeah, exactly. It's a contrast. Whereas here, it's just him and Stallone try, having a competition to see who could be the most comatose. <laughs> it's like somebody's got to bring energy. You need an Eddie Murphy. You need someone to come in and be like, I'm the one bringing life. But the thing is, Stallone is good at that. He's very laconic, and I thought he was fine in this movie. Sun Kang is just not, he's not even acting. He's not doing anything. He's just like <sighs> blank faced. I don't, I don't want to be too negative about him. No. Because I like him in Fast and Furious, but it kind of opened my eyes of just like, oh, maybe he's not as good an actor. Yeah, so maybe the movies are what kind of, or the role yeah, fits him well they, they more really, so than him. Yeah, they really fit that character in Fast yeah. and Furious around what he can do, which I think it's, I'm, I learned in this movie how limited I think he is an actor. Just, uh, this also opened my eyes that this this podcast is going to be tough because there's going to be, I think, a lot of bad wood for us to chop. <laughs> Meaning what? I just, you know, some of the movies that I looked on this list and didn't know, like this one, I didn't even oh, remember it oh, coming that. out. Yeah, that's what I was saying at the beginning. I oh, there's going to be a lot. Just some real, real bad stuff in here. Yeah. I, well, it sounds like I liked this a little more than you. I don't think it's this is terrible, terrible. I, think it was, I enjoyed parts of it, but yeah, mostly I agree. Um, before we move off of Sun Kang, I just want to talk about I don't know if you were aware, but originally they had cast uh, uh, Tom Jane no. in that role. and uh, He just wants his kids back. <laughs> Does he just wants his kids back. See, I that would be the revenge story. It would have been better if it was Tom Jane. <laughs> see, to me, Tom, Tom Jane will always be the guy in Deep Blue Sea. Oh, see, I don't know that movie nearly <laughs> All, as well. He'll always be that guy. I don't think he has any like memorable lines, otherwise I'd quote one. Really? You don't, just, you don't immediately think Boogie Nights with Tom Jane? I mean, that's the first thing I that's think. That's a pretty of. small... I, I think he's so un- unrecognizable as Bo- in Boogie Nights. I, almost, I guess. All I think right. for a while I didn't even know it was him. But yeah, Joel Silver produced this movie. Really? This is one of his last, I think. I don't think he's done anything since this. I was going to say, well, he's really... Yeah, he's definitely... He's falling, falling off the map. Yeah, for sure. 
And he was Joel Silver was the one who insisted on on hiring uh, Sung Kang. I hmm. I think the idea was to give it a boost in Asia because yeah, that was wider, maybe a wider audience. But here's the thing: it's so stupid because Sung Kang is American. <laughs> he's not, and he, he's not like a guy who became a big star in China and came over or, right. or Korea or anywhere. Right. He was Korean. Had a, had a built-in fan base in one of the other markets. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's no more famous in China or Korea or anywhere else than he is in America. He's, he's a Korean American. It's like, I don't think he's has any additional fame. So it's like, it's not like casting Jackie Chan cause he's a giant star in Asia or something. Right. It's like, they don't know who this guy is. So the idea of like almost, it's a weird thing because I kind of, I just want Sung Kang out of this movie. And I kind of feel like, in a weird way, casting him just to get a like a Chinese and a Korean market, market yeah. is so stupid and like condescending in a way because it's like that's not just because he happens to be Asian American. It's true. Is but, that gonna? I mean, maybe it helps a little bit, but he's not. You know, like usually when that happens is because the person is famous. It's like Stallone is already famous in Asia. They don't need it's true. Sun Kang. But I guess I will give. It is good to see that. There are, I guess, you know, more an attempt, whether it be that it truly was just for trying foolishly to get foreign box office. It's still it's progress in some ways to at least have somebody that's non white in one of the lead roles. Yeah. And that's why it's unfortunate. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. I am very much of two minds about this. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. Cast some other Asian. If you want it to be that have that dynamic or if or if you if you really want to be progressive, right? Cast him in Stallone's role. I don't think. Sure, I, I'm not necessarily sure he would have been good in that role, but maybe somebody else would have been that uh, you know is more diverse. I don't know. Yeah, but if that's if that's what you're going for, I, I just wonder if a, a, an actor with more clout would have been willing to be so much of a punching bag because it's like no, no he probably not. He doesn't get to be cool. He doesn't really get to do anything. No, he just his, his only talks role on his phone. His only role is to get addresses of persons of interest from yes. the police. Otherwise, Stallone's doing all the work. Yeah, and so you're, you're prob- probably get to actually the- you're probably right that somebody with, as you said, more clout would say, "No, I'm not taking this role." Yeah, who's you're the, probably right? What's the name of the guy? I I always forget his name. He was in the Magnificent Seven. Um, he was Storm Shadow in the GI Joe movies. Yeah, I, I you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, forget his name. I unfortunately do too. He was in something we watched. Uh, or was he? He was in he was in a movie that the guy who made. Uh, What's the Stallone movie? Who's the sheriff of the border? Not what? Stallone, but uh, the Last oh, Stand Schwarzenegger. with Schwarzenegger. Did I say Stallone? Yeah, you did. Uh, my brain. We've moved on from that. Um, but I know, uh, I know. Schwarzenegger, the Last Stand. Yeah, the director who directed the Last Stand did a movie with that guy. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, uh, I, I know we were talking about. Him. Yeah. Anyway, I can't remember his name, but I think he would have been much better in this movie. I think I, he's pretty I, good. Well, he plays actually a very similar role in that remake of The Magnificent Seven. Cause I just like seen it's okay. It's not great, but it's like. He plays a very kind of low-key... Like, he's actually cool. Whereas, you know, I, I, the veil's been lifted for me in the Fast and Furious movies. I, I will never be able to see Han as cool again. Because it's just like, oh. <laughs> oh, man. Now I've, re- I, I've, I've done damage that the Fast and Furious movies won't be right, We got to move on. I'm sorry. I, I, I'll stop That's harping right. on Sun King. But, like, remember the scene halfway through this movie <laughs> where... I, I'm getting out of the way, so we... I, I'm, all right. That way I'll be nicer later. But, like, remember the scene where he walks in on Stallone's daughter and oh, she's got the towel on? Yeah, for no... That's... <laughs> It felt like it was Walter Hill in the 1980s, but yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... Well, it, it's, it was less gratuitous than it could have been. She it, had a towel on. Yes. <laughs> but okay. It, here, I was thinking about this before we started today. There's like four different ways you can play that scene if you're Sun Kang. You can either go, oh my God, and turn around. Yeah. You can be a total creep and be like, yeah. <laughs> you can... Or you can just like play it off like, ah, whatever, I saw you naked. It was bound to happen eventually. Be like... The cool guy. Yeah, the cool guy about it. 
Or you go like the full, uh, 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 what's his name? Hugh Grant. You go the full Hugh Grant. (laughs) You know, just like stammer and study your way through it. I feel like those are your four options. Sun Kang does none of those things. <laughs> he just kind of is blank and just like, oh, I, they, your father said you would be asleep. Can I use your computer? <laughs> he, does, he doesn't make any choice. Like, make a choice. You're an actor. Do something. <laughs> I, I can say that at least a couple of those would have been terrible, so maybe making no choice at all was better. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's... The Hugh a, it's, Grant would have been pretty bad. It's such a hacky scene. You know, this is a scene that's been, been in a hundred movies. Yeah. So it's like, maybe he's just sandbagging it. Like, this is a stupid scene. I'm not gonna... Man, maybe, maybe he did make a choice. He's like, <laughs> I'm not going to dignify this with making a choice because it's a stupid scene. I mean, if that's the case, he was doing it for the whole movie. But uh, <laughs> enough enough banging on Sun Kang. I'm sorry. I just, <sighs> you know. Anyway, let's move on. So yeah, you want to get on to... Get what, into my work. What right, uh, was going what on? What day is it? What year? Oh, uh, we were back to uh, things being disconnected. Go ahead and give your spiel. Oh. I'm going to be off mic for a second while Mike talks because i got to fix something. Yeah, so he really doesn't care what day it is and what I year. I care. I just got to fix an audio thing. Fair enough. Uh, so it is. As, you, as we noted when we let it in, it was February of 2013. Uh, so on the box office side, this, this is actually a relatively like mid-budget movie, which I'm a little disappointed that it is such a disaster because these movies don't really get made. And the mid-budget movies are what I'd like to see more of get made. But the results of this are some of the reason why they don't get made. Yeah, this is the, I did see this part. How, how much did you... I don't know if this is available, but do we know how much of that budget was Stallone's salary? I, so it might have been like half of the budget. It, in the old days, and maybe I, since we're trying to be somewhat uh, professional about this podcast, maybe I should sign up for IMDb Pro. But a lot of the budget stuff, you used to be able to get an IMDb for free, and now you can't. Yeah. Um, and my guess is, is that probably was in there. So maybe I'll have to look into how much a membership is. So I don't know that. But yeah, $55 million budget, $9.5 million total U.S. box office. What? Are those? Oh, maybe I saw worldwide. What was the worldwide? The for, well, I, I'll oh, add yeah. them up. Okay. The, the foreign was only $12.2 million. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. The entire world, it could only scrounge up another $12 million. So yeah. a total box office. Of under $22 million. That doesn't surprise me. I, mean, I remember when this movie came out seeing ads and things and just being like, that looks like junk, you know? So <laughs> it absolutely is I, junk. I actually expect it to be worse than it is. So I, I'm kind of surprised you're coming in as negative, but we'll get to it. Uh, so then looking at what was, it was, by the way, number six the week it opened. Six <laughs> in the total box office. That is really bad. Yeah, it is. Uh, Warm Bodies was the number one movie in the box office. What the hell is that? I think it's a a zombie love story. It's a Lionsgate film, so I think it's like two young actors that you don't know. They're cheap. And I think maybe one of them or both of them were zombies, and it's like a it's like a love story, like horror movie ish. I mean, that was the peak of the zombie craze. Uh, (laughs) It was, but the domestic gross for that its opening weekend was almost as much as the worldwide box office for this movie at twenty million dollars. It was February. It's like no one goes to see movies in February. It's it's true. You then had Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, which had just been the number one movie. Last week. I feel like every movie you're going to list, I'll just be, I'll just be like, it's February. Uh, it's true, except for the next one, which I do, I did enjoy and still, I have gone back and watched this recently, actually. Silver Linings Playbook. 
I've uh, never seen that. The, really? I, I really do like that. That must have come out in December when we're still hanging on. Uh, no, this is in week number four. So it was a, it probably wow, had really? a, you know what it probably did is it probably had maybe a limited for the Oscars. Yeah, New York, LA, and then, yeah, uh, you're probably right. Is my guess. And then it, uh, it opened wide in, in January. You're probably right. Given, given that Jennifer I, Lawrence has, there's been some blowback lately about her career, and I need to see that because she's in that, right? Yeah, she, that's, she won her Oscar for right, the Solar Playbook. Um, I actually really like, she won it, but I actually really like Bradley Cooper e- even more in that. I yeah. like De Niro. Actually, I, to be honest, I like everybody in that movie. I don't think I knew De Niro was in that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, the rest of the box office, there's there's not much uh, all that all that memorable. Uh, Django Unchained was still in uh, theaters, as was Lincoln. All right, so then moving on to TV. Man, the Nielsen ratings. Wow, NCIS. I have no idea what version of NCIS was uh, number one in 2012 and 13. It's probably basic NCIS if there's no subtitle. I take that back. I I should read my own notes here because number four is NCIS Los Angeles. So, yes, just the old regular NCIS was number one. Go ahead and run down these, but TV ratings now, it's like even even movies that have like a real like cultural impact don't get ratings anymore. Nope. It's like it's all stuff like that. Uh, So, yes, NCIS Sunday Night Football. Uh, the Big Bang, the Big Bang Theory, NCIS, Los Angeles, Person of Interest. So it's basically all CBS yeah. shows. Is Los Angeles the one uh, with the uh, what's his name? I know nothing about those shows. <laughs> one so. of those shows has uh, LL Cool J. <laughs> I think it's Los Angeles. Also, Ice T's on one, but I think that might not be an NCIS. That no, might be yeah, I th- Law and Order. I think that's a Law and Order. Yeah, uh, Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, Dancing with the Stars results. <laughs> That can you believe that? <laughs> That's just this week. Oh wait, yeah, no, this is like for the 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 the, the year because I, I okay. want to break down the. the yeah, I was going to say I would be surprised if they were available. So what's funny is um, dance. So Dancing with the Stars, the results, and Dancing with the Stars, American Idol Wednesday, American Idol Thursday are actually in the top ten. <sighs> Two and a Half Men and The Voice. What network TV became in the uh, early two, you know, 2010s and beyond? I can't believe people were cutting their cable. Who could have? <laughs> well, how could they have done that? Good. I, 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 that's probably around the time I cut my. I probably 2013, 2014 is when I got rid of my me. cable. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> like I was still years watching, and years of that. Just, I still, can't take oh, it. I, I mean, I was hanging around for a little bit of some of the AMC shows, but other than that, there was like nothing that I and, and FX, AMC and FX. But then I got to the point where I, I might have done it around the same time as you. I said, you know what? I'm just going to pay for the few shows that I want from them. Yeah, Archer or whatever. I'm just going to pay for those shows, and that's it. Yeah. All right. So I know you care. The S&P 500 is at 1512. Uh, I need some context is really my complaint. It's just like, is, is it on its way up, on its way down? It's like I- uh, From now, it's actually now in the beginnings. The S&P 500 bottomed out in March of 2009. It's actually the beginning... It, it's on its ascent in the longest, one of the longest bull runs in the S&P yeah, 500 I mean, I, I, history. That I know because it's recent. Well, oh, what was it again? Because actually I've got some S&P 500. 1512. 1512? Yeah, Perfect. so it's around like the 2800 range right now. Earmark that page because I want to come back to it later. I okay. want to compare it to something. All right. Uh, so on February 1st, the day that this opened, John Kerry succeeded Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. Okay. Here's an interesting thing that we were just talking about. A TV show to debuts on netflix house of cards which pretty much changed the game for netflix yeah i guess so it really did so on <laughs> february 1st 
And its last season will change the game again. In a, in a different way, yes. I, I, I canceled my Netflix, and I kinda, I'm kind of i curious to see that first episode back. Really? For I, obvious reasons. I, I, I don't want to get into it. But I, it's like, I pulled a plug on that show. and I have care. to see how they handle that. That's all. I'm just like, he fell down a manhole off screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> the president fell down a manhole and died. I regret nothing. You know? He died back on his way back to his own planet. That's what they'll do. <laughs> If they did that, I would tune in for the rest of that show. I mean, they'll have to do something like that. I just want to see how they handle it. I just want to see the first five minutes of the first episode back without Kevin Spacey. That's all I want to see. And then I'll, I almost thought about like signing up for Netflix again, <laughs> watching it, and then canceling it again. Uh, you can come over to my house if you'd like just to see that. If I you, just want to hear what they do. So right. please watch it for me. Just watch the first five minutes you know, un- until they yet. reveal how they're going to handle it, and then you can right. stop. February 3rd, the Ravens beat the 49ers in the Harbaugh Bowl. I uh, don't get too much into sports, but... I vaguely remember Harbaugh versus Harbaugh, so I wanted to bring that one up. Okay. Uh, in Paris, France, they annul a 213-year-old law banning women from wearing trousers. I don't, what? In 2012? <laughs> yes. 2013, I, but yes. 2013, yeah. I, yeah. I, I imagine that law hadn't been enforced. I I'm, would hope no, so. it hadn't been, but it's just one of those things. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I want to bring that up. That's, that's always, I mean, America has all, like, local American municipalities always have crazy laws. are just like, ducks cannot pass the, cross the street. It's just like crazy like, 18th century laws that are still in the books. So whatever. Then like, we I'm, can I'm not make gonna, all sorts of crazy <laughs> laws. I'm not going to judge the French for having crazy laws because we have just as many crazy laws. Uh, fair enough. This one is somewhat timely just because of something we were talking about before the show. Uh, the U.S. Postal Service announces Saturday Mail is going to stop in August of 2013. That has not happened. Yeah, what? Yeah. Since when? It did not stop. Uh, I mean, they, they may as well. Other than for <laughs> delivering packages for Amazon, I'm not sure what anybody really needs on Saturday. I mean, you just saw me before we started go and get my mail, and literally that's two weeks worth of mail, because all I get is junk. <laughs> I pay my bills online. It's like, what do I get in the mail? Like Once a year, I get my car registration, and if I get a jury summons. I'll, you know, I check it every two weeks. I don't need any of this mail. <laughs> the Kramer shutting it off is, it seems more and more appealing to me. It's, hey, you know what's going to happen? Out. If Wilford Brimley was still alive, he'd come and find you. <laughs> he is a postmaster, but he's also a general. Uh... Pope Benedict, and I needed to know my Roman numerals, the 16th, announces his resignation. The first resignation by a pope since 1415. Yeah, that was a big deal. That is crazy. In my Catholic family, that was a big deal. That is crazy. 1415. Oh, sure. On February 12th, North Korea conducts its third nuclear test. We've come a long way since then, since they are on the precipice of being... Thank God that's over. (laughs) Uh, On the 24th, Argo won Best Picture that year. Uh, I won a Best Picture, really? It I did win Best won Picture. Just Best Screenplay. Nope, Best Picture. Mm, I saw that recently, and, uh, you know, it's good. Does it not hold up? I'd have to see what the competition was, but anyway, move on. I don't remember the competition being that good. So the last thing, I'll end on music for you. The Billboard 100, I had no clue about any of this. This may as well have just been random words that in, were put together. In 2012, I won't care either. So in February, it was Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Oh, that's, that's a good song. I, don't I like know, that song. Don't know it at all. He wears your grandpa's clothes. <laughs> Zero clue. <laughs> he looks incredible. <laughs> That's a song I like. Actually, I think I own that song. Okay, I think I, well, I think I own that album. It was uh, number one on the Billboard 100 in February of 2013. You might know it if you heard it, but... All right, so that's it. That's what was going on. That's what the world was like, and people were tuning into Netflix instead of going to see this movie. Yeah, and the number one song is actually not terrible, which is a surprise to me. All right, that's so, good to hear. But I, there are a lot of people who don't like Macklemore, but I like Macklemore. All right. Okay, should we get into the plot summary? Uh, the plot. Let's talk about the movie in the big picture. Where is... That's this one. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. 
I labeled these buttons terribly. It's uh, like it looks like they're in order, though. So you'd think that you'd just go down in they're, order. They're not in order. I no. should put them in order. All right, fair enough. All right, all right. All right so, you want to take a crack at this? I might take a crack. Here we go. Here's what I've got. I have a DC cop is ex- executed by two hitmen who were set up by the client. So a hitman and a DC cop then team up to seek justice. The villain has a file that has to be destroyed so he can buy some condos that apparently warrant or build some condos that apparently warrant a government contract. <laughs> yeah, what? I mean, I had a million questions, so instead of saving them until question time, maybe we should we need to talk about it up front. But like, <laughs> can I say my can I say my ending? I forgot about it. Oh, go it, ahead. it bled to the other page. So my summary on the ending, nothing much has changed other than some guys that got killed that nobody would miss. <laughs> and he bought a Porsche. Don't forget that yeah. part. <laughs> you're, you're and then right. I bought a Porsche, the end. And, I, and Jimmy got a new car. That's actually the last line. <laughs> that was so bizarre to me. We're really jumping to the end now, but it's like, <laughs> the fact, I bought myself a little gift as a reward for killing all those people. <laughs> what is that moment? So the, I, I think that's a pretty good plot summary. That that I think would go right on the back of the DVD. I, yeah, I think that pretty much works. I, I there are certain things that still I don't quite understand in terms of because um, Sung Kang's character is Detective Kwan, right? And yeah, then, what can I mean? I'm not sure he's down there to investigate. I, what is he going to do? Well, that's that's one of my questions. You know. Uh, we'll, we're going to have to talk about this up front because That's there's fine. no way to talk about this movie without like digging into my questions. Here. All right. So, is he there on any kind of official business or is he just there to get revenge for whoever killed his partner? Well, he, his ex-partner. Here's the thing. If he, if he is there on a revenge mission, he's a fool because he keeps calling back and getting information. So he's, I mean, he's literally leaving incriminating evidence everywhere. Right. He's, he's talking to someone back in D.C. It's just, I couldn't tell if that's like, he had some kind of mole, like, hey, don't tell anybody. Like, you know, he's got a buddy in, in the office, like, uh, some, Help you know, me out some, here. some girl's helping him out. It's always the same girl, right? So yeah, it's I like, so. is it just, is this the official, hey, here's an update on my investigation, or is it like, He's got, you know, she's helping him out secretly at the DC PD. What I I kind of wondered is if the DC police department has the precogs from Minority Report, because they seem to have a lot of information that is very fast and brought to light quickly. See, I liked that, though. That's one of the things I really liked about this movie is that. Really? It uh, seemed like it was a pretty cheap shortcut. I mean, police have a lot of information, especially about people who are have criminal records. Like uh, that they, is they have that stuff right at their fingertips these days. They don't have to go through like a file cabinet. It's like they have computers. They can just search. You know, and they show a lot of that, uh, which we'll talk about later. But uh, no, I, I like to, you know, I, I compared it to John Wick earlier, and I think as much as I enjoy John Wick, I love the way that this movie depicts Jimmy Bobo, which is... Uh, I, I do like that thing. name, by the way. He doesn't look like a Jimmy Bobo to me, but... Uh, I still like it. Um, no, I liked it, too. Is Bonomo, was that his actual name? Bonobo? I think so, yeah. Something like that. From the Bonomo co- crime James family. James Bonomo, yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know, Jimmy's partner gets killed as, as a cover-up, because Jimmy and his, his hitman buddy kill the crooked cop who's got... Uh, blackmail against rich guy Mr. Echo. Yes. Um, <laughs> All that. I forgot he was Mr. Echo. Yeah, he's he's been in a lot of stuff. He's in the the first GI Joe movie. I think he was uh, I, Roadblock or yeah, was he, the Rock Roadblock? No, I think he might have been Roadblock. No, I think the Rock in the second one is Roadblock. I think he Uh-oh. played somebody else. Okay. I don't know. I'm not a great GI Joe fan. I don't know. No, GI Joe. Right. Names. The first one was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, and he's <laughs> he's in the first one. I actually kind of like the first one because it's so bad. It's like I it think it approaches. Border, it is borderline fun bad. It's like some Ed Wood stuff. I kind of yeah. like it. Um, yeah, but he 
the crooked cop has blackmail material on. Uh, let's just call him Mr. Echo. It, it's Morel, actually. Morel, thank fine. you. Um, yeah, because that actor has a tough name to pronounce. Yeah, it's Morel. Yeah. The, the, okay, so he's got Morel is, is a condo developer. He's a real estate developer. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this now because uh, this is in your wheelhouse for sure. Is real estate. There are multiple movies that depict condo development as the most crooked thing in the world. There's this. There's Keep this. Going, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I, I obviously am not going to ask you for specifics. I'm just like I'd like your opinion and your perspective on this because there's this movie. Um, in the wire, it's like that. Remember where uh, Stringer Bell is getting involved in a con? He's investing in a condo or something. Uh, yeah, it is. Rocky Two. We will see very soon. Has a scene where uh, Mr. Uh, oh God. Uh, Gazzo, Mr. Gazzo, the mob boss that Rocky used to work for, comes to Rocky and says, hey, now you made money on that fight. Maybe you can invest it in these condominiums. <laughs> and Rocky goes, I never use them. Because he thinks he's talking about condoms. It's, it's a stupid <laughs> joke. Oh, man, that is Con- a bad condominiums, joke. Condominiums, I never use them. I'm spoiling Rocky, too. but That I, is a really bad joke. Um, I like that joke. It's so stupid. But, it, yeah, in Rocky 2, it's it's depicted and also in stay hungry there was that subplot of yeah. jeff daniels is getting uh, touch, uh I don't jeff know if it was condos but they there was a real estate development yeah no i think it was condos i think they say it is they're buying up a bunch of small buildings pl- plots so down. that they can build a condo development right, I, I think is what it was uh, i thought it was just an, a real estate development but it, whatever i but regardless in yeah. many many movies this is the case of just yeah. like condo development investment is just the most crooked thing in the world so uh, it's crooked tell me if that's true and so highly lucrative uh do i think well, here here's a way I guess to put it is, <laughs> I mean, if the answer is yes, I obviously, you obviously are not going to give me details. I'm just curious. I can't give you details, but I mean, you know, we have somebody who's not the most scrupulous person in the world that currently is in the presidency, <laughs> and he's a real estate developer. So <laughs> that's that's very well answered. I mean, what 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 else can I tell you, right? Okay, that that answers my question. Is that is that a fair answer? No, I w- think... without incriminating myself too much. <laughs> well, I mean. The fact that you would know better than most people, and the fact that that, that is your answer, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that you, you for think what it is. I, I've I've successfully dodged that, but answered your question. Is no, that I what mean, you're saying? That, that, yeah, I mean, I, you've definitely answered my question. That's kind of what I thought. Whatever the business, the, the industry that I used to be in uh, until recently, the, uh, the the towing and roadside services industry. <laughs> you've made it abundantly I'm not clear. To talk, yeah, that's that's. The, I'm sure one of the most crooked in- industries. Anybody with a tow truck, but I'll say, but, you know, it's it, what it is what it is. So what I will say, which is laughable, and this is in my notes a little bit further, but this idea that there's a government contract to build condominiums no that doesn't exist well, there would be for apartments and rental units absolutely but not condominiums i mean is it possible it could be some kind of land grant of just like there was some public land that was getting sold off uh, you mean that you mean where the that, those poor firemen died you think that that was public land sure yeah what was that building beforehand it, it looked was like ho- a, it was like a foundry or something i think it's a sign outside to the hospital it was like an old hospital really no if that was a hospital i mean it it looked like well, whatever it is, it's been gutted, so yes. I don't, it's hard to tell. But uh, no, I don't. I I don't think that it was a government-owned land. I I took it as that there was a government contract to build condominiums, and that normally what it would be is you were building housing of some kind, but not condominiums are for sale, and there sure. may be affordable units sometimes built within condominiums, but the general, the overwhelming majority, it, that's that's not going to be housing that the um, the federal housing administration, the FHA, is not going to be building. HUD is not going to be building condominiums. Sure. The whole concept is dumb. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I'm sure it's written by somebody who just doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. You know, Probably. I'm sure it's part of it. Well, also, it's funny you brought up uh, the certain, certain crooked uh, <laughs> New York developer that <laughs> will not be named. But you know how I always talk about pre-9-11 action movies feeling the, adorable? I, that's the word you used. I do remember that, adorable, uh, which it, is great. It's just like it, oh, the worldview of just like, you know, Eraser, I think, is the first time we talked about it. Just like, oh, no, these rail guns. <laughs> was these terrorists they're going to be able to like take over the world with, with like a rail gun. a thousand rail guns yeah anyway this movie i think made me realize that we're we're also in a different era for movies because this whole plot revolves around uh morel this developer yep assassinating hiring hitmen to assassinate an ex-cop who's got blackmail material on him because he's afraid of, about the scandal. Oh, you're right. It is. I feel absurd. like that seems so adorable now. I'm just like, like nowadays, eh, let it get out. I'll call it fake news. No one will care. Because <laughs> right. that's just the way it works now, apparently. That's the world we live you're in, right. I guess. I, I had, I'm disappointed I didn't come up with I, that. I'm starting to think that that's what any... any any action movie or thriller or anything that revolves around like, oh no, the blackmail, it's like, things are going to get out about all the dirty stuff yeah. we're involved with in the government. <laughs> Put it out, who cares? Yeah, it's like, it's all in the open now. It's irrelevant. The idea that, wow. uh, the idea that that would be a scandal seemed yeah. very out of touch to me. Yeah, like, so now when we get to me, I don't know if there's any in Stallone's you know, filmography, that'll be interesting when we see one of those, that that's the plot of the like, wow, this is really laughable. Yeah. Actually, this might be one of the few. I, 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 well, there's a lot of Stallone movies we've not seen, so yeah, it's hard so to say. Know. But uh, I expect there won't be that many government contracts referenced in Stallone movies. But, uh, but no, who knows? probably not. Uh, so that's that's the plot as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, just let's talk about it in the big picture before we move on, because there's this crooked lawyer played by Christian Slater. Christian Slater, yes, who has these uh, <laughs> these eyes wide shut parties. Uh, I was waiting for somebody to say Fidelio. Fidelio. That was the door password. Yeah, exactly. But it, it, he's having them, but it seems like it's just like an open house. Yeah, well, <laughs> all you have to do is have a mask on. They're yes. not checking invitations or anything. So May it's like, I see the invitation, please? <laughs> but literally, the dress code, there's the scene where they go and they try on masks, which was an opportunity for comedy to totally sidestep. And it's like, they didn't, just didn't play it up at all. Yeah, it's just like, I'll wear this one, like, whatever. And they walk in, and so... But they're just wearing jeans and a t-shirt still, so you, and everyone in the party uh, is wearing... You, you've stolen my thunder, but okay, I, I was so furious. And I wondered, I'm like, so is this really Barney Ross? Because the Expendables don't believe in stealth at all. They are just brute force, and stealth gets thrown out the window. Sure. If these guys are trying to blend in, this is the worst. They do nothing to blend in. Everybody's there in a black tie and a mask. They just went and got a mask. Or nothing at all. Like that, Those are the two options. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, yes. there's, there's also that. But like, yeah, for the men, they're all wearing their own black tie. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it works. It comes out. It goes off totally without a hitch. I was like, <laughs> as soon as they walked in, I was like, okay, this these guys should be thrown out, or there should at least be a joke about it. Well, I, I really thought it was going to lead into an action sequence of you know Jason Momoa because we haven't talked about Jason Momoa yet. We haven't talked about Christian Slater yet. I just wanted to make sure covered. Both. We talk about them as, yeah. in a larger sense because like the whole thing of Christian like Christian Slater is. I feel like he should be the main villain. Like nothing against uh, Adewale, uh, etc. That actor, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but. Uh, He's fine, I guess, but it's like there's no, he, that he doesn't have much of a character. No, like I almost feel like they should have like swapped roles where that that guy Morel was the lawyer, or I, I don't know. It's just like I guess everyone is so low key except for Christian Slater. That when Christian Slater showed up, I was like, oh my god, someone's actually acting in this movie. <laughs> 
Because I think I thought he was good. And is I, he I, acting or is he being Christian Slater? Well, sure, but I mean, he, Christian Slater at his most low key is way more ramped up than anybody else in this movie at their <laughs> at their most amped up. That is true. So I don't know. I, I morale didn't really do it for me as a villain. Um, I liked Jason Momoa. I thought he was a pretty good henchman. Yeah, I liked him. I mean, he really wound up being what you want in an action movie, that he's kind of the main villain, right? Is that he's the henchman, but he's ultimately who you square off with. Yeah, they did it the way we always say yeah. the movie should do it. Yeah, and the henchman and I, is the one that probably, has the He's play. probably about what I like the most about the movie, and I I kind of like that final action sequence with him. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the weird, like... He's gonna square like he, he has an opportunity to kill Stallone's character and he doesn't do it. It's like we're gonna fight to the death, like men. You know? Yeah. So it, I'm I'm of two minds about that because on one hand it's so stupid. It's like I, I guess by the end that character doesn't really his motivations don't make sense other than just like I'm a tough guy and I want yeah. I want to fade. You, you know what I try my skills against Stallone. Or what whatever. direction I would have liked is that what uh, I think it was Expendables three were. Um, Gibson and Stallone, they you know they throw the guns down, but then they fight for about twenty seconds, and then immediately are going for the guns. Sure, I think that would have been a nice where almost immediately he's like, you know, no, you know what? I'm actually in danger here. I'm going to get a pistol and trying to shoot him. Yeah, these guys are a lot more upstanding. Like they have, they're more honorable than the Expendables are. That's for sure. <laughs> they're not honorable at all. They in the fight, Expendables. They fight to the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to, you know, I I I think both those villains were were good and yeah. Probably yeah. the highlights of the movie. Yeah, just, but I didn't want to leave them off of the... That's fair. The, the, the big picture. The summary, so... You want to move on to technology, then? Yeah, let's do it. Right. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? This movie's only five years old, so. I know, so I actually have... This was really tough. I really couldn't come up with much being a relatively recent movie. The only... My crit... I was more of a criticism on the technology. You liked it. I just thought that... You didn't get a lot of detective work, and maybe it is realistic. This is what they do, but just constantly going to his BlackBerry to, oh, I need to find the next clue, so I'm phoning a friend. Sure. I, I don't know. I, I would have liked a little more detective work. It seemed like a crutch. I agree. Well, that's kind of why I think this might, might have been more interesting if it was just alone, because then he would have had to do all that detective work right. himself, not rely on the resources of the entire DC police force, you know, which is, <laughs> it's, it seems like a cheat, both, you know, in screenwriting sense and from a character sense of just like the only reason it, apparently Jimmy Bobo is teaming up is uh, to get this information is to have access to police files and get addresses for people. Cause doesn't, I think Jimmy Bobo complains about that, that he's basically done all the work at yeah, some point. He's, he's right. <laughs> I mean, he, it's so not equal. He's it's, this is just a Stallone action movie. It's not a team up the yeah. way it thinks it is. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's the one, I mean, on the same topic, there's the one conversation they have where Quan is looking up information on his Blackberry and, Jimmy Bobo was like, oh, you're one of those phone guys, aren't you? Yeah. That seems, I mean, it's only been a handful of years, but in this time, since 2013, the idea of someone being a phone person, <laughs> it's like everyone's a phone person. So it like, is, it, that seems out of date now, even in a short period of time. You're probably right. That is pretty quaint. It'd be like someone saying, oh, you're one of those shoe people, aren't you? It's like the idea. The what, I- wait, like a Maxwell smart shoe phone? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you combine the two. <laughs> no, I'm just saying the like, phones are so ubiquitous now that even an old guy like him would. Uh, he would it, right. It wouldn't be a surprise that. Yeah, that somebody lives on their phone uh, and uses it to get information. Like, yeah, because it basically is having the entire world's information in your hands. So why wouldn't you? Yeah, well, that's the thing that should have made Quan, you know, distinguished him from Jimmy Bobo. Is like he has this phone and uses it to get information. I mean, that, that's kind of what he's doing, but not really because he's just making a call and saying, "Hey, give me this person's address." If he was actually using it 
to search the internet. Yeah, and, as an advantage, say, here's how I'm contributing. Because remember, they talk about, like, I could kill you with this phone. Like, just smash it and I, cut your throat with it or whatever. That scene Take actually... Take lithium, lithium out and put it in your drink. I actually kind of like that scene. That was one of my favorites. But it, that's not what it should have been about. It shouldn't have been, I'm going to take the lithium out of this phone and put it in your drink and poison you. That's how I could kill you. You should be like, no, I can get access to information that you don't want me to get access to yeah. using this device. You know, make it about, he's a tech-savvy one and he's, you know, he's younger. It should, it should have been a young, old thing. That's, that's really what it comes down to, rather yeah, than you, you know, Asian white guy. That like, probably would have been better uh, um, to play that up, the age, age difference and the experience Experience versus technology, yeah. if you will. I noticed, uh, I watched the trailer uh, a couple days ago, and I noticed there were some lines in the trailer that didn't make it into the movie, and a lot of them are at Stallone's expense. Oh. And I wonder if maybe... Cause, did you know, Stallone? Did maybe was Stallone have a little thin skin? Yeah. I mean, I, I've talked about how I feel like there are three Stallones, and one of them is kind of the egotist <laughs> Stallone, and I wonder if maybe it was creeping up a little bit. Yeah, Most, mostly, I think modern Stallone is pretty good about that stuff, but I... You know, I know he had a lot of influence in this movie. I think he he got uh, the, you know, what's his name hired Walter Hill. Walter Hill hired. Um, so I, yeah, I wonder. Interesting. There's, there's, I mean, it's a dumb joke, but there's a line in the trailer of just like, "Aren't we ever going to listen to music from this century or something like that?" It's like okay, it's, it's not a nothing. Yeah, it's a nothing joke, but it's like it seems like there's no comment really from him about. Jimmy Bobo's age. No, and there probably should be, especially again if he's not going to be a punching bag, he should fire back, and that's something that he could fire back on. Oh, actually, but I forgot. I think maybe the part of the reason is his police file says that he's much younger than Stallone. Oh, <laughs> like, I think he's born in like '62, according to his uh, police file. Oh, like, I right. assume you have it in the little details. Yeah, I've got it uh, in there somewhere. Are you done with technology? Yeah, unfortunately, this one, it, uh, the newer ones are going to be tough. There's not going to be much. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on. Well, what happened? That cardboard headstone <laughs> is still my favorite. This graveyard is obviously phony. This thing makes me laugh every time you do it. <laughs> I'm glad I picked it because it's nothing to do with Stallone. It doesn't. Like, I use this corner? It's perfect. Okay, fine. Uh, that this I actually had a lot of stuff, and I think you probably do too, because there's so much on screens that you can pull down and really get into. Yeah, I mean, some of that I want to save for my Silk Cozart moment, but okay. uh, yeah, we can talk about a lot of that for sure. Uh, all right, so I want to start right at the beginning. I, did you happen to notice, and I know this became a thing, I think really after The Matrix, because I think it was a huge deal for that movie to get them to change the Warner Brothers logo and have the green effect on it, that Warner Brothers was dead set against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it seems like every, like movies just want to do it all the time. That logo with the bullet going through it felt so cheap. <laughs> I mean... It was like the precursor. This movie is going to feel dumb and cheap just with that. Now, see, I had the total opposite reaction. Really? I went like, oh, this movie is going to be awesome and stupid. <laughs> but it uh, wasn't fun stupid. I thought it was fun. I, I, I liked okay. that, the bullet going through the logos. I thought, I thought it, it sent the message. It sent an expectation that the movie didn't deliver on. So, I mean, that's not a good thing. But um, I, didn't, I was not opposed to that at all. All I'm right. Like, okay. I guess if, it, if the movie lived up to what... You're say, like your idea of it, not mine. That if it was fun, stupid, then yes, I think that would have worked brilliantly. It seemed like it was setting itself up to be like a kind of a kind of grindhouse kind of a movie. Of just yeah, like but I don't think it for me it violent wasn't. revenge thriller. That's that's what that logo build says to me. It was like even the logos are being assassinated. You know, <laughs> like that's it seems like the movie is setting itself up self up to be this kind of comic booky thing. And it's just the opposite of that. It's just not really going over the. Like, I could see John Wick starting like that and totally fitting the theme of that movie. Yeah. 
So actually, I, you're right. That actually probably would be a good fit. John Wick is a good example, and I think that that would fit. Yeah, that's kind of that's that's the expectation that it set for me. But yeah. uh, anyway, it didn't live up to it. So I happen to notice, and you may have this later, but I happen to be paying attention to Jimmy's arrest records, or I guess the mug shots really more than anything. It was kind of <laughs> nice to see the age progression. Yeah, I enjoyed that too. So his last one was in Taney County. Do you know what is in Taney County, Missouri? I don't, no. Branson, Missouri. <laughs> and I just had this idea. Was it the 90s picture? Or like, or no, which, it, was, which, it was the last one. So oh, like okay. the o- oldest version of gotcha, Stallone. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I just had this idea of Rhinestone combined with this movie when sure. I saw Branson, Missouri, and I thought that would be amazing. Well, I, that's see, uh, and that ties into our conversation about Stallone's age because in my mind, Branson, Missouri is where old people go to be entertained. So <laughs> maybe, it's like, maybe he, got, he found some trouble when he went to go get right. entertained in he, Branson. He wanted to go see Yakov Smirnov. <laughs> in America. One, yeah. uh, that's the one performer I know that I, I remember reading a story about how Yakov Smirnov like, owns the theater that he performs in and just like. <laughs> He keeps 100% of the money because he owns the theater. He just, like, set up a whole business in Branson, Missouri. Right, just I, like, I'm going to stake my claim here and make as much money as I can. I can. So I can give you a – let me give you a sidebar from my days in commercial real estate finance in Branson, Missouri. So actually <laughs> – okay. um, it uh, wouldn't have been today. The way we're recording, before we recorded this, I told you that ten years ago today is the day that Bear Stearns uh, uh, was went on a fire sale to J.P. Morgan. It was kind of the beginning of the financial crisis. So I worked on you know problem loans for for a bank, and one of them I didn't work on this one, but it was it was like a venue down in Branson, Missouri, that was wound up being foreclosed and taken back into real estate, okay. uh, real estate owned. And so I worked like alongside. I never sold the properties, but handled the debt before you know foreclosure was finished. But I worked with the team that sold it, and I remember the guy I was working with. I still talked to him. Have a good relationship. He was all fired up because as he was going through trying to sell this, and this place actually wound up. There was um, I think a tornado shortly after. Um, uh, in like 20, 2012, around this time, actually, probably of the movie being out, okay, uh, that there was damage to the building. But in the inventory, when they were going through of all of the memorabilia that was in there, one of the things missing that this guy got so worked up over that on the closing that they were worked up that it wasn't on there and they wanted a credit was Stevie Ray Vaughan's trucker hat was not <laughs> was apparently missing. He's like, he's dropping F-bombs. He's like, you've got to be kidding me that they're trying to get a credit for Stevie Ray Vaughan's <laughs> trucker hat. Well, like, you might sure. like that. <laughs> I mean, I did. I mean, I'm sure the folks in Branson... I think that that's a valuable commodity. Yeah, I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan seems too young for Branson to me, but maybe uh, that just shows how much time has gone by. Time has withered your once youthful looks. That's that's way that's un. I'm disappointed in Stevie Ray Vaughan if he's got a Branson show. I'm just put it that way. He I don't seems know if like he a had a show. Deal. I just think it was you know it was sort of like Planet Hollywood. So they just had probably had stuff oh, that people okay. maybe came through and performed or whatever. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. that makes so, more sense. No, I don't think that this was like Stevie Ray Vaughan's stage. Right. I think it was just. You know, they got a guitar from somebody that performed there once. You know, whatever stuff like that. I have like no sense of what goes on in Branson, Missouri. I mean, I didn't know what happened in Dollywood either. So maybe everything is on a larger scale than you know. Maybe I'm being a little uh, condescending to Branson, Missouri. Maybe it's actually awesome. All right. So uh, what else have you got? So I just want to talk about the scene in the bar after they kill the next cop, and they go and uh, with uh, Sergeant Basalone, John Basalone from. Oh, so I, that's right. I don't think you've seen the Pacific. So his partner, no. the only thing I recognized him from, he's, he's the most famous soldier from that 
uh, that miniseries and like from the Pacific campaign. He went on uh, and was selling like war bonds for the the Department of Defense. Uh, I'm like Sergeant, his character, right? Yeah, his, yeah. His, the well, the right, the the real, um, the real guy, yeah, the 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 real uh, soldier. And I'm like, I haven't seen him in anything since. I'm like, whoa, you have fallen on hard times. <laughs> oh, really? yes. Is he like the fresh faced young guy? In yeah, the I, yeah, for the most part. And I'm not sure. I didn't look up his filmography, but I don't know if he did anything in between. So. I don't know who that was. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that such a no name guy, at least in my mind, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know him from anything. So it's like. The fact that he was Stallone's partner, that's because that's an important character because that's the whole point of the movie yeah. is he's trying to get revenge for his buddy. I, I, it's an important character, but he's not in it very long, so I'm not sure how much it matters. No, but uh, it's still important, I think. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is they're at this bar and they, they, they belly up to the bar and the bartender's like, what do you have? And there's a whole thing about like he brings he should bring his own booze or whatever. Bullet bourbon? Yeah, bullet bourbon, which is a real bourbon. I, I don't drink bourbon. So I looked I it up, too. I couldn't believe that it was a real product. That yeah. was on my list. Thank yeah. you. I'll have to try it sometime, but um, I just know I, I have a comment, and uh, maybe this says more about me than about the movie. But uh, I feel like I've never been to a bar; doesn't matter how empty it is, where the bartender comes up and says, "What do you have?" It's Ooh. always a five-minute process of waving them down. I don't care if there's nobody there; <laughs> they're busy doing something else. Hey, <laughs> they come on over any, anything and take, other than serve you. Yes, exactly. Do you think maybe it's just you? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's maybe something, <laughs> something about me. That's an ins- that's you know what? It's I'm, only in the movies. I've never seen that happen in real life of just like a bartender. Unprompted, coming up and saying, "What do you have?" It's it's always a, a huge process just to get their attention. That is a great question for uh, our followers on Twitter at uh, <laughs> Arms Race Podcast. Have you ever been able to? Have you ever walked into a bar, walked up to it, and just had the bartender said, "What do you have?" Yeah, that's a good question. I don't drink, so I'm the wrong person to ask yeah, this. Yeah, it's yeah. impossible for me to answer. Sure, but you're right. That probably is just in the movies. I mean. I, Obviously, at a restaurant, you sit down and a waitress is going to, or yeah. you know, waiter is going to come over. But it's like at a bar, I've just never. That's an interesting idea. It's just something that I've, I mean, maybe it's happened and I've forgotten, but it's just something that I've noticed. All right, it's just a movie thing. I'd like to talk about. I feel I felt really bad for those two guys in the tattoo parlor when uh, Jason Momoa's character, his name is I think is Keegan. Keegan, yes. he comes in looking for Stallone's daughter. Those poor guys, it's like it's like Lee Christmas on the basketball court in the Expendables. Yeah. Those poor guys just get a savage beating. And I mean, why are they trying to jump in? To yeah, that me, was my question. I thought that they were, and maybe they go to, maybe they're regulars. It looked like they had a few tattoos. So maybe they've been there so they know her. I could understand that a little bit. Sure. But after the first guy gets absolutely <laughs> beat down, I would be beelining it out of that place. Right. Well, also, uh, you know, I mean, this is a sign of a movie with not a lot of, uh, imagination. You're in a tattoo parlor and she's got the thing is on. Nobody tries to use it as a weapon. No one tries to use it to fend off Keegan. It's like, you got this tattoo needle. It's like, it's... That would hurt. Yeah. Like, use it. It's there. It's like nobody... None of the, Neither of those guys need, or her... <laughs> they jump on him. Yeah, that's a smart play. They just get thrown into the wall or whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, they, they, I mean, Keegan is really set up to be this like ultimate Unst- badass. He's, yeah, he's almost like the Terminator. He's almost unstoppable. Yeah, there's that sequence where he gets the evidence out of the safe and just clears out a whole like private club <laughs> of, of criminals. Um. And, I have that later because I have some questions about that. Okay, that, we can say it, but it's just like that. That seems like out of a different movie. It's like, uh, absolutely. It, it, it felt it felt like the Terminator in a lot of this movie. That in particular, yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk about. There's a scene. The scene like, when they first go to the tattoo parlor, and we only learn later that Lisa is, is uh, his, daughter, his daughter, Jimmy Bobo's daughter. Which there's a weird moment where 
he visits her and she goes like, "Oh, you haven't visited a while for a while." A girl gets lonely. Yeah. Like, what? The? I mean, they're trying to throw you off the scent, but yeah, I'm not sure why. That, sure, they're trying to make you think one thing, and then it's revealed later. Oh, it's his daughter. But it's like that's just cheating. It's like yeah. that line doesn't make any sense. It's creepy. Once <laughs> you know that it's yeah. a girl gets well, lonely, say, who says that to her father? If it does make if it does make sense, it's creepy. The only reason it's in there is because they're trying to head fake you. Right. I mean, they may as well just say, you know, like. Like hello lover or something. Oh, and then it's like, gonna <laughs> like if they're just gonna cheat it and like not and right they could they could wave off anything. Oh, yeah. that's a pet name for each other. Whatever. Yeah. So they, who knows? But the reason I bring up that scene is when they pull up. This is after I think uh, Kwan has been shot. Right? There's a scene where they, they had a shootout with the yes. cops, and he's taking him there to get patched up. Yep. And Kwan goes, "What are we doing here? Getting matching tattoos." And then he just goes, "Piss off, a hole." And there's a shot of Stallone who just looks sad. He's just like, oh. I do remember that. <laughs> I mean, then he gets out of the car and like gives him the right, reads in the riot act. But uh, that what did moment, he where, <laughs> the moment where Stallone just looks up, like sad and upset. Well, because it's like I think. Well, I think both the actor and the character are like this, where they're being like, "Hey, I'm just trying to have some playful banter," and like, I think Jimmy Bobo. I, maybe it's because he's from a different generation. Maybe that's what they're trying to depict. But it's just like. I'm just trying to bust your balls and you're not playing along. And so like, you know, he thinks he's just joking and then it's like piss off a hole. It's oh, like, Oh, I'm, you really hurt my feelings. You took that way too far. Yeah, this, is, then he gets, this is playful banter. And then he gets really angry. Um, but I think there's a layer of like actors going on too. Just like, Hey, I thought we were doing a 48 hours today and you're not, you're not playing along. <laughs> you're probably right. So I, it's just, it was such a weird moment. It, it, it made me laugh at first. And then he gets like actually angry and it's like, Hey, why I shouldn't even be helping you. Whatever. So, I, just, I don't know. Simultaneously made me laugh, and I just thought it was a weird moment. I do remember it. I didn't have a note on it, but I do remember the, the sad face. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Yeah, they, the last one that I wanted to cover. Do you, do you happen to recall? So, it, it, they make a big deal of it that Jimmy Bobo wants to make sure that he uses his partner's knife to, to kill yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Keegan. Did you happen to notice where he keeps it? No. He keeps it. He jocks it. It's oh, not, does he? Yes, and I just have, that seems really dangerous because it's a knife that, like, you press a button and it pops yeah, it's out. a switchblade. Yes, it seems really dangerous. I didn't notice that. I mean, it makes sense because he gets pat, patted down at the end and yeah. he's got to hide it somewhere. Yeah, and he pulls it out. I'm like, whoa, that seems like a really bad idea, Jimmy. Well, it's like uh, in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He says, like, oh, homophobes never check there. <laughs> I didn't it's, think about yeah, that. I'm, I'm sure that's why. It's, it's the one place they're not going to check. Yeah. Actually, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I kept thinking of that because this movie is called Bullet, Bullet in the Head. Bullet to the Head. Bullet to the Head. Um, and there's that scene in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was like, imagine a bullet in your head. It's like, F you. Anyway, that's ambiguous. <laughs> so the, the title just, I just kept thinking of uh, that scene in nah, that's, Kiss Kiss I, Bang Bang. I haven't seen that in a while. I, I do, you introduced me to that movie. Uh, I really enjoy it. I just haven't seen it in a while, so yeah. I don't remember that line as well. Anyway, so one one moment, we talked about the Eyes Wide Shut sex party earlier. <laughs> I enjoyed the moment because Morel's in the back making a business deal. He's like trying to yep. wrangle investors for his condo. And then he gets upset because Christian Slater comes in and embarrasses him. It's like, hey, maybe don't have your business <laughs> meeting in the back of a sex party. That's kind of your fault. Maybe you should conduct business in, I don't know, a conference room <laughs> in a professional yeah. setting. Yeah. When you go to a giant orgy, you know, people probably aren't going to be focused and professional. Right. The idea that Morel gets angry at his lawyer for wandering in drunk at a sex party. I'll go a step further, too, and I realize it's stepping a little bit, you know, breaking the fourth wall, but when your lawyer is Christian Slater and it's a sex party, what do you expect is going to happen, Morel? I guess so. Christian Slater has played some 
upstanding people from time to time. I from think. time to time, but he generally is sarcastic Christian Slater most yeah, of the time. That's true. He so. was in Star Trek VI as a Starfleet guy. How do you remember? He's just that? a regular Starfleet. He's got it was a cameo. I, I remember because it was so weird. It's like why is Christian Slater in this one scene? Do you happen to know if he's a Star Trek fan? I mean, I would imagine he must that's be. probably the reason why. He must be. Well, yeah. I, I, I would assume so. Yeah, yeah he's on Sulu's ship. <laughs> Sulu's got his own ship by Star Trek Six. I like, do. I vaguely remember the Enterprise that. calls him for, or no? They're, Sulu's lying for the Enterprise, and then Christian Slater just like opens up Sulu's door. He's sleeping. He's like, "Oh, sir, Starfleet wants to know where the Enterprise is." It's like, tell him go to hell. Basically, he just, <laughs> he just tells Christian Slater, "Like, stop bothering me, Christian Slater," <laughs> and sends him away. Well, that's that's all I had on the little details. Do you have anything else you want to cover before we uh, move on? One last very little detail, and no. it's there's is it a big one. It's no, it's a very little. Okay, detail. just checking. I, I wanted to get a recording of it, and then I forgot, and then my rental expired, so I don't have a recording of this. But at the end, Stallone meets uh, Quan again. She's like, "Oh, for a drink at the yeah, very end." For a drink at the very end. Yeah. Okay. And Quan says, "Oh yeah, you're, me and your daughter got real close in the hospital." Or, or however he phrases it. Yeah. <laughs> and Stallone's delivery of. At the hospital. <laughs> it's the most Stallone line <laughs> delivery. It's, it, it is like a parody of Stallone. It's like, <laughs> at the hospital. <laughs> I, I really I, laughed at it. <laughs> I didn't recognize it. I wish I had a recording of it. I forgot to get a recording of it before my rental expired, so I apologize. But uh, I, I just remember finding it very, very funny. I, I did not mention... Um, I did not pick up on it, but I will fire up Netflix when I get back home, and I will yeah. check it out. There was absolutely no green pepper face in this movie, but there was a lot of mumbling, Stallone mumbling, because he's playing this like low-key tough guy, so yeah. a lot of, he had to really drop it down a bit. Yeah, and graveling his voice up a little bit. Yeah, yeah and there's all that voiceover, too, which we didn't talk about, which I don't know how I feel about, like... I, I Well, I didn't want to bang on it too much, because it sounded like you liked the setup um, maybe more than I did. I, yeah, I just maybe it's because it's sometimes really hard to understand Stallone. I don't, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I don't want you know Goodfellas. I don't want the the voiceover because I don't think it adds that much to be honest. I think, well, I think it's there for texture of just like I don't like cops. It's just, it's more like I, you can use voiceover to to explain the plot, which is a bad way to go, or you can do it the way this movie does, or just like. Here's my point of view. I guess you get some backstory on him. He's been arrested a lot, twenty six times. Yeah. He's been convicted twice, whatever it was. But so, and oh, before we move on to to questions, that's, I want to finish a thought I had earlier that I don't think I finished, which is comparing to John Wick. I'm just like I like the fact that everyone knows what he does. You know, like it's not a secret. Like that, I, that is a, you're right. That is a good approach. Well, but it's like in most movies about assassins and hitmen, it's always like no one knows his real name. He disappears in a puff of smoke, and he's no, no one's seen his face or whatever. It's just like in this movie, it's like his partner gets killed, shows up in the morgue. Oh, who are his? Uh, you know, known accomplices. Oh, here he is, joining yeah. Jimmy Bobo. He's been arrested twenty six times. <laughs> <laughs> he's, been, he's been put on trial four times, convicted twice. He's a local lowlife. Yeah, I loved that. I love that. It's just like no, he just. Everyone knows what he does. Everyone knows who he is. He's been convicted twice of, of homicide, I assume. Yeah, well, I, basically his entire life has been a life of crime. Right. I mean, his daughter tries to ask Quan to go easy on him because of it. Uh, but you're right. That is a better or an interesting approach that it's not, oh, you know, he leads this secret life and he lives in so, you know solitude and nobody knows anything about him. No. Right. No, he's just some local guy. He's just like, yeah. I, if, oh, you wanna, yeah. if you want to kill somebody, yeah, yeah. you probably want to go talk to Jimmy Bobo. And his price is not that high. What nope. is it? We learn later. 500 grand. Yeah, it's 500 For grand. For a police officer. Sure. So yeah. think about it. A corrupt police officer was less than that. And, a, you know, another dirtbag is probably really cheap. Yeah, I just liked that. I liked that. He's like a mid level. 
level guy. He's obviously like very capable and like you know he knows his stuff. But he knows how to swing an axe. Yeah, yeah, well, that's for sure. But yeah, I like the fact that he wasn't depicted as like the ultimate assassin. And just like he's just a guy. You no. know, I appreciated that. He's a guy that's willing to do dirty work for money. Yeah, for sure. All right, gonna move on. Devil's advocate. Let's do it. Where's my mouse? Nothing's working today. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. I'm sure you have a lot of questions, and I've got a lot of questions. Uh, yeah, we've talked about a lot of them already, but uh, should I start? Yeah, fire away. All right, I mean, this is just sort of a very big picture question of just like, why would Jimmy Bobo even agree to work with this cop? I, <laughs> I think that's the biggest question of this movie to me. I'm just like, I, yes, he eventually gets access to police files and addresses and things, but... But that at doesn't the start, seem like enough. No, and I, be, be, because everything that he's doing is incriminating. So I, right. why does he think that he could trust this cop? I mean, he has no idea what the relationship is with Greeley, right? Meaning the the who who Jimmy Bobo assassinated. No, I think he does. I think he when they first meet at that bar, I think he says, "I'm I'm investigating Greeley's death." He does, but I don't think he gets the you know how close was he? You know. Uh, Sure. Is he there just investigating, or was he like a really close friend and he's looking for revenge? I think Stallone trusts him way too quickly. Yeah, there's no question about it. Okay, we agree there. Because, like, uh, yeah, he lays it out right up front. I know you killed him. I'm not here for you. I want the people who ordered it. It's like, you're still going to trust him? You're just going to take him at his word? You know, that just seems crazy. And and again, he doesn't really, he doesn't contribute much, especially in the beginning. Like, Stallone saves him when he gets in a shootout with those dirty cops. Well, he walks right up and shoots a cop point blank in the car to save him, too. Yeah, that's later. But I'm saying, yeah. he, right at the beginning, when oh. he runs over the guy. Yes. At that point, why is he he's killing a cop to help someone he just met who was also a cop? And he's this hardened criminal who has no... Even by the end, he is not interested in turning over a new leaf. Like, no, he's, he's very happy to be a hitman. <laughs> he, that's what he is. Yeah, this is yeah. not the kind of movie where he decides to you know, go straight. It's like, no, no he, he's even more like, entrenched. Yeah, in, he's just got a nicer car now. <laughs> exactly. All right, so can we actually, let's talk about that scene in that parking garage. How does Jimmy Bobo know where to go save Quan? How? I mean, do you think he was following him? Quan is on foot fleeing up, the, I think the... Like up ramp on, it's on a parking garage in a parking garage. There's no way he'd know what level he's on. No way. Yeah, the I gunshots guess. he would hear, but he there's no way he would have been close enough to get to the gunshots. I mean, those guys following Quan were pretty conspicuous. So maybe you know, Quan leaves. Jimmy Bobo comes out. He sees guys following Quan. It's plot, I'm going to follow them and see what's going on here. Maybe it's plot convenient. I mean, I know it's plot convenience, but that yeah, of course it, it just seems like there. I'm would playing be a, devil's advocate. That's the segment. No. <laughs> This is me poking the bear. Give me one of your questions. That's what I say this to is, that. This is the bit. You're getting so upset. I'm, I'm trying to answer your question. It's absurd. Give me one of your questions. Okay, fine. I got two things in that bathroom. I'm actually running out of questions because we talked about a lot of them. All right. Well, I'll give you one right now then. All right. I want two things in that bathroom. I want to know, do you think it was Jimmy Bobo? Do, do you think they go to that bar a lot? The reason I ask is, did you happen to notice? I didn't put in little details because I wanted to hear. The paper towel dispenser that he's getting his paper towel from just has in giant, uh, not giant, but big, in Sharpie, giant balls. <laughs> I, did, I didn't notice that. Okay, yeah. so well, my question is, do you I think, think Stallone Jim- like, looks at it and like, kind of grunts? Like, <laughs> so then you're going to rolls say, his eyes at it. Okay, so then you don't think Jimmy Bobo wrote that? <laughs> no, I don't think so. All right. I seem to remember him rolling his eyes at it, but uh, yeah, I did notice that. It's, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't feel the need to bring up giant balls. <laughs> I, 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 
don't know. I wanted to for some reason. I mean, it's a, it's a dive bar. Like, yeah, that seems like the kind of bar where people would be writing that kind of but, thing. On okay, the, some the set designer had to put that in there. That was there intentionally. I, I don't know. I wonder if was, this is a real place that they shot it. No, they kind of wrecked that bathroom. So it probably I, was a it set. It gets to my next one. I ask point blank here in my notes if Keegan is a Terminator because that sink was no match for him. I mean, his, he just gets to destroy. His head destroys that sink. Well, what made me laugh is that the thing that undoes Keegan is a bucket. It's like a, a mop and bucket. <laughs> Keegan's winning the fight. Stallone's on the ground. Stallone just kicks this bucket at him. The bucket totally knocks Keegan over to the point where he falls and breaks the sink. Then just run, he then Keegan runs away before Stallone even draws his gun. I didn't even think about that. Shouldn't the bucket have just like smash <laughs> just bounce it up his shin no it my knocks him is, over and then he takes the sink with him if, if he is so sturdy and rugged that he destroys a sink with just his body right falling into it shouldn't that bucket have just it was just plastic shouldn't it have just shattered when it ran into him <laughs> well i mean it's, he's not he's putting his full weight on the sink he's not putting his full weight the, the the bucket just knocks him over all right that, that's what i had in that bathroom it was almost a comedic mo- it, it was like one degree off from being like a naked gun scene of just like his foot in the <laughs> bucket like whoa, whoa he falls in the sink sink crash no jeez i might have really enjoyed a naked gun scene in here <laughs> i mean it, it i was it's just so crazy that he runs away he runs away before stallone even draws his gun it'd be one thing if it's like oh now i'm in trouble he's shooting his gun yeah but uh i mean i guess by the once once he's not able to do it quietly i guess he just wants to get out of there but yeah he seems like he runs very quickly uh okay questions or song questions <laughs> I'm, try, I'm just you, trying to find... You just want to get the Silk Cozart. No, I mean, uh, I've got a couple more. Okay. Okay. So the, the reason why they kill uh, Jimmy Bobo's partner and they're going to kill Stallone is because... What's what's Mr. Echo's name in this movie? Morell. Morell. He's behind it all and he wants to cover his tracks that he... you know, he, he, Assassinate the assassins. This yeah. is like a cliche and, you know, this happened in John Wick 2 also. Assassinate, <laughs> assassinate the assassin. In this case, though, neither... Jimmy Bobo or his partner knows who hired them. They went through a go-between whatever his name was who was in the, the bathhouse. Yes, he did. He did. He was worse for wear. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Ronnie Earl. Ronnie Earl. Yes, I actually have them all written down this time. <laughs> um, yeah, but Ronnie Earl's the only one who knows who actually paid the money, right? Yeah, and I would guess t- even that he probably is a go-between and doesn't even really know who it is. He claims he does, but yeah. Um, yeah how do they make the link between Ronnie Earl and Christian Slater's character? Uh, he does give up. He gives up Slater's no, Baptiste. Baptiste. Yes. So that's the only thing he knows. He knows the lawyer. Oh, right. He actually tells him. Yeah, and that's how Baptiste they, they know to go to the, the that's right the sex party. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, Baptiste is my still Cozart thing. So we'll get to that in a minute. But right. like, so. But yeah, why are they killing Stallone and his partner when they don't know? It's like if you're trying to cover your tracks, what are they worried about? Like the the cops are if the cops pick them up. They have no information. I guess they'll lead them potentially to Ronnie Earl, etc. Yeah. But it seems like every cop in this in Crescent City is crooked. So it's like, sure, does it even really matter? Would Ronnie Earl even get picked up? Yeah, it just seems really like a pan- Morel's panicking way too quickly. Like, there's yeah. absolutely no sign that anything's going badly. He's just kill everybody involved. It's, you right. know, and, and what's funny about it is kill everybody involved. Jimmy, Bo- I mean. Wouldn't he just assume they go and do some some other job somewhere else and probably get you know arrested for something else that totally le- I mean Jimmy Bobo's a low life right just the, over a matter of time just to wait for him to get arrested for something else and you don't even have to worry about him right but is he worried that when he gets arrested he'll spill the beans about everything else that he's done oh well, maybe is that the idea yeah maybe it just seemed like at the very least work your way down Ronnie Earl should be the first step. that guy that- well he's the loosest end because he actually has a connection to Baptiste right exactly yeah. 
Yeah, because Baptiste gives up Morel, Ronnie Earl gives up Baptiste, etc. Like, yeah. I mean, they do work their way up the chain, but it's like if you sever the chain, just kill Ronnie Earl, then they then that's they where never the, know. Yeah, right. that's where the investigation right. ends. So Morel made a critical error. He should have just had some uh, Keegan go to the bathhouse. Well, and that's the other thing is Keegan. All it's doing is displacing the problem because now Keegan is is uh, the assassin. It's like well, he knows everything. We're right. not worried about him. He get, clearly should have been worried about him. Yeah, exactly. Because he turns on them. All. I mean, that's a different issue. But it's like, um, I just didn't. The whole thing of assassinating the assassins in this case it didn't really make a lot of sense. Right? So here's what I want to ask you. So uh, a couple of things about um, oh, what was that? Guy? The the guy who had the baby Jack, uh, who is that? You know, mobster that. Uh, that has the safe. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So how useless... I mean, what kind of street crew is this that a guy, just some random guy, they let him walk back into I their know. boss's office? I know. And it's then, like, hey, who are you? are you here to see Baby Jack? Like, first of all, they totally give away that <laughs> yes. it's Baby Jack's place. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have said Baby Jack was <laughs> exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then they just let him go back there. Uh, and then, so then, did you happen to notice after he just goes on a... Be- a rampage. Well, there's like a poker game going on back there. He kills everyone but one guy. <laughs> but so that he baby could, Jack. No, he, he kills everyone playing poker except one guy. Yeah, who's then baby, baby Jack's like, I'm not going to do it. Then oh. he shoots the last guy. And baby Jack's like, okay, okay, I'll do it. It's like, what difference does that make? He already killed three guys. It's like this one. I'm now I'm intimidated. He saves one so that he can kill him later so that he can be more intimidated. <laughs> All right, that is a good point. So then he kills Baby Jack. <laughs> then he kills he Baby wants, Jack. Walks out. I want to know, does Keegan have a thing against fedoras? Because the guy who gets the most bullets is the guy who... He puts like eight bullets in the guy who's wearing a fedora. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That action sequence I just thought was so dumb. That oh, it was... It was t- like we said earlier, out of a different movie, yeah, the fact that he's so indestructible in, in this relatively realistic world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Jason Momoa, I... I thought he was good in this role, and I, you know, I, I, you said that also, right? So, like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, he's one of uh, the parts that I like most about this movie. Yeah, I was kind of surprised he was, you know, I really, other than Game of Thrones and now Aquaman, it's like, I don't know if I've seen him in much, but uh, yeah, he was a pretty good villain. I yeah. think this is the first time I've seen him as like a straight up villain. Yeah, Jason, other than the fact that they made him so indestructible. <laughs> I guess they got to build him up as like a threat. Yeah, but it's the way they did it was right. he, but, just, he just marches out, you know, not, not taking cover or anything. But do the, and I would ask, do they really need to build him up that much? Because you can play the age factor that he can still be imposing, but he doesn't have to be like a Terminator because and maybe this is the ego. But Stallone is like seventy years old, so even if the guy isn't indestructible, sure, it's on a level playing field. It's not James Caan versus Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's a good point. So, you don't have to build him up much, given what you're. Yeah, what the, the age and just is. you know how muscular Jason Momoa is. Yeah, so no, I, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, you got any more questions? I have one more question. I got one more. So you go, and then I'll go, and we'll wrap it up. All right. So they say uh, I think Quan says at one point that his ex partner when he bolted from the police force he stole some evidence but he says no one knew what the evidence was is that possible how is that possible no one knew what the evidence was that he took they don't have this catalog they don't have any idea right it's been checked literally it's been checked into as evidence (laughs) right exactly that is absurd i did not get that one no i I can't unless he's that good at covering his tracks but i just didn't understand how that would even work like how is it possible that he's how could they not? I mean, they were easily able to make a a copy of the file on a on a zip drive. So somebody right. had to have known and scanned stuff in at some point on that file. Well, that's the other thing. Uh, it's not in my questions, but now, now that you mentioned that flash drive, they're gonna at the end of the movie they're gonna exchange. They've got the flash drive with all the evidence, and they're gonna change uh, for Lisa. For Lisa, it's the easiest thing in the world to copy a flash drive. 
It's true. It doesn't matter what format the files are in. <laughs> Click. <laughs> I know. Highlight, drag, done. Now I have two copies of this. You know, no one. It doesn't even come up. It, it'd be one thing if it's just like, if I find out you made copies, right. you're all dead. You know, someone has to bring it up. No one even brings it up. This is obviously the only copy, even though Christian Slater made a copy so that he could carry it around. Well, uh, you know, uh, let's. All right. So let me think this through. How could there be one copy of a flash drive? <laughs> Nobody said it was encrypted nope. in any way. It, the way Christian Slater uh, uh, Baptiste is his character. Yeah, Baptiste. Uh, the way Baptiste describes it, it, may, it just basically sounds like he took photos of all of the. Yes. But then also, when would he have done that? I didn't even think about this because Jason Momoa gets the files from uh, who, that guy you were talking Baby about, Jack. Baby Jack. Maybe he turned it over to, to Slater as his attorney. What, does the sequence of events, does he have a window where he could do that? I guess maybe. Because there's, there's a lot of time off in, in between the screens. Later you so. see Morel burning the file, the yeah. physical file. Yeah. At some point, Christian Slater uh, I don't Baptiste know why Morel wouldn't want to take him directly to him, because it's not like um, Keegan hasn't seen him. It's not like Baptiste is a go-between between Morel and Keegan. Right. So there really actually isn't a reason why... Baptiste would get it. Yeah, how did Baptiste Morel. get a copy of this? Magic. <laughs> and literally, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about this. Movie magic. That yeah, doesn't make sense at all. Uh, he, but he, he describes it. Doesn't he describe it as like, I keep this with me at all times, as if he's had it for a while. But, like, I have this but there's no way for him to have. Is it possible it's different evidence? Does <laughs> Baptiste have totally different blackmail material on Morel? Different uh, than the one that the cops stole from the that, that quaint little blackmail material. <laughs> right, exactly. He could just, as he said, just he needs to just tweet it. No, it's fake news. <laughs> well, this is 2012, before fake news. That's true. Um, all right, so I got one last question that uh, maybe you can help me with. Okay. Right, so we've established, right, that this is a cop who lives on his phone. Yes. Does all his work on his phone. Wouldn't he be smart enough to have known that somebody could track him via that phone? Is that how they track him? Yes. I guess it is. Right, because there's that other crooked cop. <laughs> yes, yet <laughs> Boy, another one. We got to talk about that because that reveal is so stupid. Like It's like two-thirds of the movie, and it's like, oh, the bad guys are meeting. There's like four of those scenes where the bad guys are like scheming. Yeah. Like, Laying up, it's just exposition scenes are just like, yeah. well, as you all know, we're we have this crooked deal with the you know, that condo thing, whatever. But just in one of these scenes, we've had these scenes two or three times, and then like the fourth time we get the scene of like bad guy scheming, there's a guy at a window and he turns around and she's like, dun dun dun, I'm also here. And I'm watching going, who are you? Who's this guy? <laughs> it, it, I forgot about you. You know the guy I'm talking yeah, about? I know who it is. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's some cop. Yeah, the, we saw the, the bald, bald cop. Yeah, the bald cop. Yeah, shaved head. Yeah, we see him at the beginning of the movie. That's about it, right? <laughs> and we hadn't seen him for like an hour, and suddenly it's like, I'm here now. And he's I, in a bunch I, after that reveal. Yeah, he's like a main bad guy until the end, and it's like, wait, who are you? You haven't been in the movie. <laughs> you know? He's just had, like some guy from the parade. I literally think he had one scene in that, like when Quan first shows up, and he, come, he goes yeah. to the New Orleans uh, PD. Yeah. And Crescent, Crescent City. You're right. Well, I, wait, are they actually saying that Crescent City is a different city than New Orleans? I, they say Crescent City PD, so I think that tr- maybe it's because they portray every police officer as being corrupt. Maybe. But no, I, I, I think they're trying to portray it like it's a different city. Oh, I don't think I picked up on that. Yeah. I just thought they were just using Crescent City as a, you know, colorful. I mean, it, it's, it's veiled, right? Because Crescent City is another a nickname for New Orleans. Yeah, but. I, guess, I guess that is weirder than I thought because you, you wouldn't call Chicago police Windy City PD. No. <laughs> Yeah, how are you talking about? You mentioned it. Yeah. I guess they are trying to convince you. It's thinly veiled, but I think it's you're trying to convince you it's a different well, city. Well, so Art makes it very clear this is New Orleans. But what, I, I had a point I was about to make, and now I don't remember what it was. The cop that he shows cop. up in the one scene. Yeah, he's only in one scene. Maybe yeah, maybe we're basically done. Yeah. So all right, I, I've got all my questions. It's time for the Silk Cozart. 
Okay, this one's kind of cheating, but uh, that's all right. Both of y'all, yes, because a lot of this is the stuff I would I would normally bring up on the little details, but that's why it ties into some research that I I did down the line. So like basically, there are moments in this movie where they like like when Baptiste comes up, for instance. That's mostly my focus here, where it'll flash like news articles and like web searches and things, just like quick quick flashes. Just yep. Get the sense of like that's where I got the Tanny County, Missouri was the mugshots of yeah. of um, Stallone. Well, those mugshots stay on screen for a while because that's isn't that what he's talking about? How he's been arrested twenty six yeah. times? That are in, yeah, those. Th- but like for instance, for, for Baptiste, it's like oh, I know this guy, Baptiste. He's a hotshot lawyer, and then it's like boom, 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 quick imagery okay. of like news articles. It's it goes by really fast. Okay, because they don't want you to d- look at them. <laughs> they don't want to dwell on these because they're so badly put they, together. I guess they spent no time on them. I can't believe this movie had a budget of forty million. Because they didn't. It was fifty million dollars. Fifty? Okay, I thought I saw forty. Fifty-five million dollars. Fifty-five. Yes. They didn't pay the, the whoever did these graphics. Somebody was stealing money. So let's start on Baptiste because, like, I, I took some screenshots. Okay, this is going to be fun. So, like, I, I I paused. I mean, they're literally I like, like that picture of Christian Slater. Picture of Christian Slater. Just wait until we get to the pictures of Christian Slater later. But okay. uh, um, yeah, first class legal representation. First class legal representation. Marcus Baptiste. Like, I like this. This this looks like a twenty uh, two thousand six website. Like, <laughs> it, does. I, it looks like he hasn't updated his website. In it a while. looks like what was it? GeoCities or GeoCities? GeoCities. That's yeah. what it looks like. A little bit. I'm surprised there aren't frames. Like, turn frames. <laughs> on and off um yeah it's a cheap website but anyways yeah tough cases demand the very best representation our firm specializes in the tough cases we are based in louisiana but have experience in litigation that spans the globe this is actually one of the better ones okay better this is well written compared to some of the stuff we're gonna get to in a minute that last Here, line is awesome yeah, let me, when you need a lawyer that has your back even when you, your fight spans international borders, Marcus Baptiste will bring years of expertise and a track record that speaks for itself to the table. What a run-on sentence that is. <laughs> and it keeps going. <laughs> and, and win like no one else can. Call our law offices today and find out what everybody is talking about. <laughs> That's great. But also, no period at the end of that sentence. No phone number to call. I mean, it's a movie. You know, they'd have to do a 555, which right. is probably why they didn't do it. Okay, then they show another webpage, which I guess is a different webpage. It looks totally different. It's got the same picture, though. Maybe this is like his profile page. This is like Facebook or something. Maybe this is like the legal version of Facebook. See, you would think that, but Marcus Baptiste's profile oh, is not highlighted. And there's a contact. That's, never mind. And this is a totally different style. Like It looks like a different site. I like how this has like three scales on the site. <laughs> He's really going into the, He's, leading into the lawyer. Uh, he is all about justice. Um, yeah, so it says, Crescent City's finest lawyer serving clients around the globe. Just random words capitalized. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on there? It says Marcus Baptiste has has had fame and glory heaped upon him <laughs> as he wins victory after victory for his clients. What <laughs> that's like glory and vic- and he's and like fame. a gladiator. Yeah, they I mean it, it is a little Trumpian. We were talking about Trump earlier. Uh, yeah. No obstacle is too large, whether it be government agency or an entire nation itself that stands in the way of your dreams. <laughs> that is just Trumpian as you can. What kind of website? I mean, someone just wrote this in 10 minutes. Whoever, you know, some production assistant wrote these. And it says, Marcus Baptiste can find a way to help you realize your empire. What is going on? I mean, he may as well just have a big giant sign that says, Crooked Lawyer. (laughs) Realize your empire? What kind of empire? Maybe a criminal empire? What other empire could I possibly need, you know, (laughs) lawyer help with? Are we in the meth business or the money business? (laughs) Yes. I'm in the empire business. Marcus Baptiste is in the empire business. I mean, he wants to be Tom Hagen, I guess. (laughs) So here's the next screen, which is a a fake (laughs) web search 
Um, and I apologize this is so visual, but we'll, we'll describe it as best we can. So this is obviously just a Yahoo page that someone on the movie production faked because you can see they're covering up the yahoo logo with just yep. this gray box <laughs> right. you know like the, the website has like a gradient to it and they're just like ugly gray box to cover up the yahoo uh, right. logo what well, made me laugh it's kind of blurry this but uh, it's, it still says more yahoo sites down here they forgot to cover that part up <laughs> that's awesome and it says the playboy lawyer marcus baptiste and it's obviously just christian slater photos they found on the internet yes. and they had to cover up some other stuff I mean, look how like these gray boxes don't even like is there like a gap in them? This is the crappiest. It is garbage. Just the, you know, the, well, the stuff we, they put together here. Yeah, when we actually, when we do uh, post this episode, remind me, we need to tweet out some of these pictures. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm glad did, I, I, I did screen grabs because I knew we wouldn't have access to the movie when we were Yeah, so this. we definitely, particularly this one, yeah. right? let them other Yahoo sites yeah, we'll, available. We'll tweet this out for sure. That's a good idea. Um, and, and not one of these photos is he wearing, I guess this one he's wearing a tie. But like this doesn't look like a lawyer. He looks like he's at a movie junket. He looks like he's at a <laughs> And the other one looks like it might have been his headshots. I know he right. complained yeah. on the episode about uh, Dennis Leary on Demolition Man about headshots. It looks like a promo photo they do for Saturday Night Live. Like when, yes. you, host, when you host Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yes. They look like actor photos except for this one where he's wearing a tie. And I wonder yes. if they took this one themselves. But uh, okay. Next, the next screen that the movie shows to show Marcus Baptiste's uh, credentials. Crescent City Magazine, <laughs> Marcus Baptiste, <laughs> and this this look at this magazine. Just a plain white background. They they cut out a picture of Christian Slater. It's got like a weird drop shadow on it. It's it's so bizarre. Right. And then the text is just white text on a white background. It's unreadable. You can't, was, you can't read it. Well, I zoomed in on it and I was able to read it just in case you're interested. So basically, the top story: Marcus Baptiste, uh, the hot property lawyer on jet setting and the Big Easy. <laughs> And then the other stories that you probably can't read there, local bar crawls, drink in your neighborhood, and leave the car at home. (laughs) Then the next one, stadium renovations. How many more VIP boxes does the city need? (laughs) I feel like whoever the production assistant who made these had an agenda. It's like, I'm going to get in my, my, uh, you know, the things that I think are important. But I'm going to put it in a font that nobody can read. Yeah, exactly. And then it says, Jazz Fest kicks off. The biggest jazz fest in the world starts this Sunday. (laughs) Is this a monthly or a weekly? Like, this Sunday? When when are we supposed to be reading this? (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, And it says, a complete guide to all the artists, all the food, and all the fun inside. You know what? I'm going to say that it's like a weekly magazine. And this is the kind of magazine that you see in the old days, like in the checkout, that it was just free sitting yeah. up there. That's what that magazine Probably. is. Probably. I mean, it so, looks like a cheap magazine, that's for sure. So I want to know why Marcus Baptiste, why is he on the cover of that magazine? Well, he's the hot property lawyer. He's, okay. he, they interviewed him about jet setting in the Big Easy. Okay. That's why. You know, it was an interview. All right. I mean, he's, he must be a big shot. He's on the cover of Crescent City Magazine. Apparently so. Um, and then the last one is... a. a Obviously, photoshopped copy of the Louisiana Herald. I actually don't think this is a real magazine. I tried to find a it. Newspaper? No. Or a, mag- a newspaper, yeah. No. Either it's not a real newspaper or it was bought out a long time ago because I couldn't find anything. No, I, newspapers would always be by city. They wouldn't be by state. That's, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. So it says the Louisiana, Louisiana Herald. Yeah, I guess because Crescent City doesn't exist, so they had to right. photoshop that. But it looks, this looks so photoshopped when you zoom in. It's kind of hard to see in this image. But uh, it says, Louisiana Herald, Sunday, May 3rd, 2009. Two bucks for the Metro edition. <laughs> Just FYI. And it says, Hotshot Lawyer is the header. Um, and it says, su- the subheader is, Marcus Baptiste, Crescent City's hottest lawyer, slams another one. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another subheader that says, love him or hate him, you cannot deny he's good at what he does. 
this is the lead story in this newspaper. This puff You're piece. Right. <laughs> you know, he won another case. No, no specifics about the case. What are the details of the case? The case doesn't matter. The lawyer is who matters. You know, <laughs> whatever the case is, that should, if it's newsworthy, that should be the story. Not like this lawyer is awesome. He won another case. <laughs> Top story. Louisiana Herald. And then the text was also usually when they do like a fake newspaper, especially if it's only on screen for a second, the text is just the, whatever the real article was. Usually they don't change the, the, yeah. the, the text of the article. In this case, they did. It's totally unreadable on the screen here, but let me read you what it said. It only takes a moment of research to find out who is the hottest commodity in, commodity in New Orleans law community is. He has slammed case after case with a near-perfect track record of wins. Chalk up another to his cunning strategy and the cutting charm that has allowed him to walk all over the private sector and government cases with equal vigor. <laughs> Thursday saw yet another of his, another royal beating of community leaders. <laughs> I don't think this is proper newspaper style. Royal beating of community leaders as they tried to object to yet another urban upstart, but were left with their tongues wagging in the wind with little to say that made any sense to anyone in the courtroom. This is clearly not a legitimate newspaper. Who, what, where, when, how, why? That's the newspaper business. This is like no specifics about anything. What happened? What was the case about? No, it's just like, well, you left their tongues wagging. (laughs) You know their tongues were wagging, though. Here's a little, it says, officials had to concede several key properties near the new stadium. Have... Officials have had to concede several key properties near the new stadium have gone underdeveloped for years now due to the never-ending money crunch. That's a sentence. <laughs> Another run-on sentence. And it says, Baptiste's clients propose to do something for upscale housing as well as pouring dot 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 continued on A12. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all we get. All right. So that's that. I'm going to cancel my subscription to the Louisiana Herald. <laughs> I don't blame you. Okay. So you so. That's not, none of that is research. But that's just I just took screen grabs and I'm reading and reading what's actually in the movie. All right, here's my actual Silk Cozart research. Later, they show a map. They say, "Here's his address." They get his address. Yeah. All right. Here's where he lives. All right. So it starts off with this like satellite view. Then it yep. switches to a map view. It says, "Oh, he lives somewhere near the French Quarter of Crescent City." I I think that's you're, a you're go- right. Google map view, by the way, because I I think they moved on from Yahoo for this. Yeah, one. I think this is a Google map. But you're right that they did obviously Photoshop in Crescent City. Yes. So they're trying to claim this is a different city, even oh. though it says French Quarter right there. Yeah. You know what's ironic is that uh, in my new job, I actually have a property that's on Poitras Street, so I can tell you for oh, sure yeah? that's definitely New Orleans, and they Photoshop. It's definitely it. New Orleans. So I, I basically tried to figure out because then it switches to a satellite view, which is not where they were no, pointing at in the map. Not at all. And they zoom in, and they say, okay, here's, here's uh, Baptiste's mansion. It's a nice-looking house. Um, this, this is how far they zoom in, right? Yep. I found this corner on Google Maps. All right. It was, it was uh, let's see, it's a quarter of Dumaine Street and Burgundy Street. All right. And this house is the house. <laughs> tell, I mean, you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but no, those, that's, that's, that's the not same, the same house. It's, it's not the same house, but it's the same corner. Yeah, I think so. They replaced this house with a, an image of a mansion. Yep. This is supposedly uh, Baptiste's mansion. Well, with that hotshot lawyer, he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of money. He's got a big property. We see it later. It's a you know, big yeah. mansion. Look at the scale of this Photoshop. Here's the neighbor's pool. Okay. Here's his pool. <laughs> Here's his mansion. <laughs> and we will tweet this out also. They took a giant mansion, like, 
satellite image of some giant mansion and plopped it down into a like, quarter acre, like maybe yes, even less. You're right. So, and then so I went down into Google Street View to uh, get a look at this mansion, this quote unquote mansion. Oh, here's your, here's your mansion. <laughs> And my favorite part is there's two cars parked next to this house. It's like two and a half car lengths. <laughs> that mansion fits. And, you know, uh, I'll take a screenshot of this also. But it's just it's just a you know two story. Yeah, it's a, you what know, do you think? Like sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred square foot house. Yeah, probably. And the fact that they, whoever the production designers were just like cram this mansion into the. I mean, if you pause it and the, pause the movie and look at his like sat- the satellite view of his quote unquote mansion. You're right. It's a Barbie dream house. <laughs> But the house that they're showing in this satellite, look at the houses next to it. His mansion is like a tenth of the size of his neighbor's house. It's the pool that gives it away. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, the pool is like a bowl. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's a hot tub, maybe if that. No, I don't, you couldn't fit a person in that. It's like a tub. It's, yeah, it's it's like a regular tub. It's not a hot tub. It's a like shower tub. You know? So Baptiste is living in the Barbie dream house. He's living in a tiny little house. I just you know once I noticed this, maybe no, maybe that's it. Maybe really, Baptiste. This is a different house for him, and he's a he's one of the early adopters of tiny houses. Oh, you think so? That's that's what I think it is. I thought you were gonna say a shrink ray or something. Uh, but then, that <laughs> you would know, be great. That's too. the actual government contract. They're developing a shrink ray. It's like uh, what's that? What's that movie that came out recently with uh, Matt Damon? Downsizing. It's the original Downsizing. Oh, I haven't seen that. Don't even know. It, it. came and went. It was uh, what's his name? We did Sideways. The director. Oh, oh I forget his name. Yeah. Apparently it was bad, but anyway, that was my research. I, I found this plot, and I, I that is, decided that's, that's some good research in finding out that Baptiste really was living in the Barbie dream house. Yeah, I'm mostly cheating. This is just screenshots of the movie. Usually, I do more research than this, but I found the actual house. So that's something. And that's it, some good work. It is not a mansion. That's for sure. All right, so now uh, it's time to get to what this podcast is all about. Got to move on to the body, body count. count. Yeah, I do not have a thing for the body. Count. Not yet. We're still waiting. Anxiously. You're still waiting. I'll, I'll put something together. Fair enough. All right. So, total body count, 34. Jason Momoa had half of those. He had 17. Uh, it's 12 for Stallone, four for Sun Kang, and then uh, one goon had a self-inflicted fall, I have. Yep. Remember at the end, he's fighting Sun Kang, and he just ducks, and the guy's like, Whoa! he just like falls over the railing. His momentum carries him over the railing and yeah. dies. I, wasn't, I didn't want to give that to Sun Kang. He didn't deserve it. Uh, so, okay, so averages. So remember, Arnold was at fourteen point seven six per movie. Uh, so we forgot to do the averages last episode. So just to get caught up, so after Copland, he was at one hundred eighty across seven movies. That was twenty five point seven one. After Death Race, he added seven there. So one hundred eighty seven over eight movies is twenty three point three eight, starting to come down. Yep. And now twelve more for Bull in the Head. One hundred ninety nine bodies across nine movies. Uh, so an average of 22.11. Oh, it's getting closer. He's dipping down. You know, he's and still way ahead of Arnold at 14.76, but it's, so it's, right, it's, it's going to be a race. A, yeah, it's going to be a race pretty soon. So Not uh, a death race, but no. Well, <laughs> well it is. Actually, it is a death <laughs> it race. It is a death race. All right. All right. Wrecking right, Crew? Yeah, ready to give an award? I, I almost wanted to give it to nobody. We didn't set any rules for this uh, award. No, so. we didn't. I, I went with Jimmy Bobo. Yeah, I gave it to Stallone also. I think Stallone's fine. I'm surprised you gave it to him because you sound like you were kind of down on his performance. I, well, so I would have probably given it to Jason Momoa, um, but because they turned him into like the Terminator, it, it was kind of like a tiebreaker. I'm like, I, a lot of these haven't been going to Stallone. I feel like I need to I need to even this out a little bit. So the tie tie went to Stallone. <laughs> okay, fair enough. No, I, I I liked Jason Momoa also, but uh, I I think Stallone Stallone is not the problem in this movie. 
as I said, I think I think he could have carried this movie by himself, and other actors were dragging him down a little bit. Him playing, it's funny because you know a lot of Stallone characters. I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. Like usually he's playing kind of a nice guy, even when even in an action movie, he's usually a pretty heroic figure. Yeah. So seeing him in this playing a hitman, and I hadn't thought about that. In some ways, kind of nasty, even though he obviously has like his his own code that he lives by, etc. Spares the the hooker at the beginning. So, which well, by the way, we, we never talked about it, but it's weird how that never has any consequence. <laughs> the movie plays it up just like, oh, he's decided not to kill this woman. Uh oh, there's a witness, and maybe that was a mistake. Doesn't she just kind of goes like, no, I didn't see them. No, but <laughs> that uh, subplot is over. Yeah, but well, and the reason is is because uh, she had the same tattoo, so it's like you know, if your name, if your mother's name is Martha, you're <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, it's similar. Did Martha. she actually? Did she actually have that tattoo, Lisa, or did? I didn't see a cat tattoo. Like, oh no, there was on her back. It was, you know, it was, I mean, it yeah, wasn't identical, but yeah, no, it was similar. Okay, I didn't even. Uh, all I could think of was Martha. <laughs> That's the reason why he has a soft spot. But well, well, later he says he's got a code: no women, no children. So I was like, do you need an extra reason for him to not kill her? He already said, or maybe he says later. But at some he point he says, yeah, I got a code. But they're, but no they're, women, no yeah, children. but they needed to give that to show how good of a detective that Quan was that he was able to put put together. Oh, you've got a soft spot for her because she's got a tattoo the way your daughter, similar to your daughter's tattoo. Okay, but what does that lead to? Nothing other than it shows he's a detective. But <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't interpret that as oh, he's a detective. No, well, um, I did. Yeah, I guess that. No, I think you're because right. everything that's, else that's he what just they're going for. goes to his phone. <laughs> right, that is the one thing where he's just like, that's right, because he's just like, oh, you're you're my psychiatrist now or whatever. I, yeah. I, I don't know. All those scenes in the cars just run together. There's like five or six scenes of them, their banter as they're driving from place to place. I don't remember any of it anymore. It's just dialogue that's written to pass the time. Yeah, that's a real sign. I mean, we're, we're moving on to our rating, so let's get to it. But uh, it's a real sign of a bad movie when I can't even remember it anymore. <laughs> I watched it like two days ago. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. I'll tell you right now. That person who was bad mouthing his films probably had seen this movie. <laughs> well, that sketch, that Saturday Night Live sketch happened before Bullet, <laughs> Bullet to, to the, the head. head, but I imagine it would have been referenced. So I'm going to guess you've got this higher than me, but this unfortunately was a Spider Rico for me. I, that's really low. It is. I'm sorry, man. There's just you're saying there's nothing redeemable about. Uh, Not really. <laughs> again, I, every time I every time you do this and I react, then I realize I catch yeah, myself going. You're like, clearly like the defender here. You think all of my ratings are too low. I, well, I do think that, but also these ratings don't mean anything. So too low, there's there is no too low. Again, I, it's not a numerical I, thing. All right, so my my summary on it, I have it. It's a worthless waste of time. No interesting kills or even zingers to laugh at in this one. They're just it. It's just a movie that exists. There's no reason for it to exist or ever watch it again. But I yeah, I just I think I viewed this less as I wasn't expecting zingers. I wasn't expecting action movie kills. This felt more like a thriller with some action stuff in it. So I, I guess I, w- I don't expect that from this movie. It felt more like, uh, I mean, I, the only movie that's coming to mind now is Heat, which is really going to make you mad. Oh, I'm come on. I'm just saying I think that's it's more going for that than it is going for a Demolition Man or something like that. I, I'll give you that it's, given those two options, it's closer to Heat, but, it, right. it's, but I'm not saying you don't, you, it's not good. But I'm saying you don't judge Heat based on, there were no zingers, there were no interesting kills. It's like, it's a, it's a real but crime the, thriller. It's okay, like, I think that's there, what this is trying still to be. Is, it's one, it has one of the greatest action sequences of all time. Oh, I'm not saying it, this is as good as Heat, believe me. <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I don't, just because it doesn't have the things that you were looking for, I'm, I think the reason why I like it more is because 
I didn't have those expectations. All but, right. Well, then what, what's the rating from? No, I, I'm giving it a Tommy Gun. I'm not giving it a positive. Okay. Uh, All right. Know, it, it's it's. I, it's I, this isn't the point of these these ratings. It's not like, you know, this movie equals Rocky Five, but I, it is similar in my mind as Rocky Five. Is like I want to like it more than I do, and I think I, that, I I understand that I want to defend the movie because I probably like it more than most people. This and Rocky Five probably. I don't know how what what kind of reception Bolt of the Head got other than nobody saw it. <laughs> the box office speaks <laughs> right. a lot. Well, but I'm saying. The people who saw it, did they like it or not? I oh, actually don't. I, don't I didn't really look and didn't have a sense. I didn't check Rotten Tomatoes or anything. Neither did I. I'm sure the critics hated it. Though, I'm, yeah, so. I have a feeling this is not well liked, but I thought it was okay. All right. I was tempted to give it a Mason Dixon or, you know. Oh, I, I might have actually been upset if you gave it a Mason <laughs> Dixon. This, nothing, this doesn't mean anything. If I give it, it a Mason I, Dixon or give it a Tommy Gunn, what difference does it, it make? It means something to me. That means that it's, it's like an average, <laughs> mediocre movie. This is not an average or mediocre movie. I think it's close. Man, it's it, it. A few changes and it would have been okay. Maybe I. I'm not sure why you want to defend this one so much. Yeah, okay. are you ever going to go back and watch this? No. Yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's garbage. <laughs> not wanting to watch it again and garbage. Uh, to me, there's a big gap between those two that, things. All right, that it may be. It's you, between garbage and I want to own this on Blu-ray. <laughs> it's like a huge, it leans it's a huge ocean, between. really close to garbage for me. So nah, we'll just leave it at it's that. It's somewhere in the middle. But we have good news. The good news is, is that we're going to move on to something a lot better than this next. That's true. I mean, I'll look at Bullet to the Head as a palate cleanser before we finally get to the good stuff. I'm surprised he has much to say about this one because it seemed like uh, on, a, on Death Race, just, I just want to get to Rocky. I just want to get to Rocky. Oh, I, I just want to get to Rocky. I absolutely do. Just want to get to Rocky, and well, I'm, I'm really ex- there. I'm excited. Yeah. The next episode will be Rocky. This is number six. Nurse Stallone series. So, so our ev- first first Rocky go. Every six movies, every six episodes will be a Rocky. So Rocky one, also known as Rocky, <laughs> uh, Oscar winning Rocky, no less. Of course, well deserved. When's the last time you watched Rocky? Uh, more than ten years. Okay, <laughs> that's. I mean, it's hard for me to hear that and not be shocked because, like, I watch I watch a Rocky movie once a month, probably. <laughs> I, I I I don't think I've gone a year in my life at a time without at least watching some Rocky movie. Wow. Yeah, no. So this, uh, this is actually also when we were talking about when we were moving on from Bad Puns and from Schwarzenegger. The Rocky movies and your knowledge and love of them were my biggest fear. Uh, me being on this side of not... I've seen most... I, yeah, no, I think I've seen them all. Creed, uh, well, we've thrown in Grudge Match, but the Rocky yeah, movies i have seen, seen Grudge Match. But I don't... I haven't seen them all multiple times the way you have, so we're, I, this is going to be interesting to see how this this one goes. Well, I mean, all we're doing it's not like any it's not any different than any other episode. We'll both watch the movie and come in and talk about it. It's like I, the I, fact that I I I could do it right now. I don't need to wait. Like, that's what's amazing. I, I'm pretty sure. Do you even really need to watch it? I mean, I will, but no, I don't need to. Okay. I can pretty much go through that movie in my head for <laughs> scene for scene. Of course, you can. Pretty close. I mean, I, I there are some scenes in Rocky Two that I sometimes think are in the original. The first two movies are similar enough that I sometimes will get bleed things yeah. mixed up, but yeah. uh, for the most part, um, no, I'm excited. I you know, and and I will say I the one thing about the Rocky series we'll talk about in the next episode, obviously in more detail. But like, I'm going to have a hard time just talking about a single movie because to me, the thing about the Rocky series that I like is the breadth of it, and like I think I like the series in aggregate more than I like each individual movie. Like even to the point where, like you know, when it was just five movies, I liked the Rocky movies, but I wasn't a giant fan. It wasn't until Rocky Balboa and Creed 
because for whatever reason they kind of I think land the series a level of gravitas that it didn't have when Rocky Five was the last one. It's just like boy, that movie, that series really petered out. You know, now it feels like this grand thing that it didn't used to feel like. Gotcha. So I guarantee you, next episode, we're going to be talking about primarily the first Rocky movie, but I'm going to be talking about all the Rocky movies (laughs) because I'm not going to be able to help it. Because I really can't help but look at each movie in the larger context of the whole series. You can't compartmentalize. It's hard. I mean, I'll I'll try. Because I I can't imagine living in 1976 and not knowing what comes in the future. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, I there's it. no way for me to, to erase all the other Rocky movies. You so. need, you need the eraser. <laughs> I do. I need to erase all of, I mean, believe, oh, man, if I could erase my memory and watch each one for the first time again, now that, that's one of those things where it's like, I'm envious of uh, anyone who watches them for the him. first time. All right. Well, Although, I don't know. Maybe I would quit a Rocky five because I defend that movie, but I'm not going to say it's good. <laughs> You know, I, I have a soft spot. That one's going to be interesting, actually, because I do remember seeing it. I've seen that one a couple of times, and I maybe it's because I don't have the same um, affection for the Rocky movies that you do. I don't remember hating that movie that much. I don't think it's good, but I don't remember hating it. It's either, not as so. bad as people make it out to be, but it's certainly not the best Rocky No, movie. I'm sure it's not. So, But I'm just saying this up front. I'm giving you fair warning, and the listeners are just like, yes, this, is, this episode is going to be about Rocky 1. The next episode is going to be about Rocky 1, but... I guarantee I'm going to be talking about Rocky 2, 3, 4, 5, Creed, and Rocky Balboa. It's just going to come up. All right. So we'll see. I'll try to keep it to a minute. All right. So that'll be the next episode. I'm excited. Yeah. So we'll be back with Rocky. Rocky.